Hello and welcome to Devour the Podcast, episode 133. I am your host, David. Along with me is Jamie. Hello. Joining us as always is Bo. Hello. And this is, I guess, always as well. <laughs> Recently? I don't know. Hey, Vanessa's here. Bye. Yeah. I've been Yay. here just with, but without you. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yay, we're here. Yay. Yay we're here. <laughs> it's a festival of mirth. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, so how are we doing? <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bo. No, I was gonna ask you. I was like, "What's up, man? It's oh. uh, it's been a while. It has been a very long while. Um, stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. It's uh the la- uh the long the quick version is the last year kind of sucked. Um, for personal reasons. Um, but um, uh, I did release uh my synth pop group released a uh our first EP in January of this year. And I'll put a link in the uh, description. The synth pop that you talk about. Yes. This is synthesized popular music. Yes, it's 80s, like, synth pop. Like, yeah, it's very 80s. He became obsessed with AHA. <laughs> I and did. this kind of came out of it. Huh. Yeah, that'll happen. The text conversations we had about it. <laughs> Brian and I actually, uh, we checked out. When you, when you released it and i thought it was very cool i enjoyed it quite a bit actually it meant to go back and buy some and i forgot <laughs> no it was yeah. good it was good i'm gonna do yeah. that right now while i'm thinking about it but awesome. it is it is totally totally fun I, I i really really enjoyed it so i say good job on that time well spent yeah even if it was time you were away from us Yes, that was uh, took about a year to put that all together because I was working on it off and on. Um, and it kind of started as a joke because I got my <laughs> iPad for Christmas and I was like, oh, cool. I have GarageBand now and made Matt, what ended up being Madison Bliss. And then Synthetic Cho. I was like, oh, hey, look, the iPad's a, a synth pop machine. Ha ha ha. And then like 15 minutes later, he's like, I have an idea. I'm like, oh, Jesus. And then all of a sudden we started a synth pop band and now we have an EP. And I was like, oh, my God. This is great. Making stuff is fun. Yeah. People yeah. should make stuff. Yeah. So what about you guys? Uh, Bo, how you been? Uh, you know, uh, married now. You knew that. Uh, kids are good. <laughs> uh, you got facial hair. I do have facial hair. Uh, now, nah, you know, doing the same old uh, kind of thing. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, the Pig Six movies is a thing. I do that. Doing some stuff around the Legion website, have some uh, some some fun ideas. I think for some uh, some future stuff to do around the network, and awesome. yeah, yeah, you know, just having fun, having a good time. You know, just so, L I V I N, man, living. Uh, is Duncan and Bo back? Uh, well, we did. Or did uh, you just finish? We we just finished True Detective. Okay, which was pretty good. And then next week we are recording a commentary on Midnight Run, and we're kind of waiting on Westworld, but that's a long ways off. So I don't know. We're kind of looking for something to do, but we also don't want to get into some series that's going to be a, a real big deal. Like Duncan and I are like married couple friends that fuck like 
you know, neither of us want a commitment. We're just like, <laughs> hey, man, how about we get together and have a good time and nobody needs to know about it? It's like same time next year. Isn't that the name of the movie from it, the 70s? Yeah, I, 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 I'd like to think I'm the Alan Alda in that scenario. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, right? <laughs> it was like Alan Alda. I don't know. That that works. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know, Duncan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you'd appreciate that reference. <laughs> I, I've, of course I do. Anytime I can talk about an Alan Alda film. Next up, <laughs> Sweet Liberty talk. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy my new podcast, All the Talk. It's all the talk, all the time. That's right. Nice. <laughs> Just wait till we get to those West Wing episodes. <laughs> forget his directorial episodes of a mash <laughs> oh boy let's get preachy huh <laughs> yeah i like mash mash is great but you know I did too, but <laughs> those later episodes are a little little okay, on the I nosy I don't, I don't remember i was watching them in syndication so yeah although uh the last one good night farewell and amen is is quite good yeah, we have just turned this into a mash podcast already. <laughs> I like that. We've turned it into an Alan Alda podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, suicide is painless. <laughs> you know, I was actually in the play version of Mash in high school. <laughs> I was too. No, there was. A, I didn't know there was a play. And to be even crazier, because I'm that, I was always that nerd that knew everybody's lines because I was like could remember just. I'd hear it once and it was stuck in my head. I understudied for Frank Burns. So I had a female role in the second half of the play. But the first half of the play, I played Frank Burns and I was in drag. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty awesome. I was Walt the dentist. <laughs> I, could I thought see you it. were going to say you were also Frank Burns in drag. I could. I was going to say either you were Frank Burns or you were some a character like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a born character not, actor. I did not do the MASH stage production in high school. I was, however, a potato in the second grade Thanksgiving play. <laughs> I love it. That explains Hello. so much. There's that. I want to see pictures. I want to see pictures. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> played a potato in second grade and it just kind of stuck. <laughs> and a career was born uh -huh. i did musical theater in high school mostly I potato do. based I did but... too. <laughs> no i did musical theater as well and mash was one of the non-musicals that i did yeah where were we <gasps> what were we talking about i was asking you how you're doing oh <laughs> <Sorry>. sure <laughs> that one all three stars <laughs> jamie how are you <laughs> <laughs> you sound afraid, afraid to even ask. I'm doing, I'm doing fairly well myself. I have um, not been doing uh, much podcasting of late because I've been working mm. a lot. But we still squeeze in our movie watching, and so we're still going through our collection, doing that. And so that's been fun most of the time. Sometimes it's not like when you get stuck on like some a, a six pack of zombie ninja movies, and I'm like, 
the hell? Like, why? <laughs> why do we have this? <laughs> why are there six of them? Right? And they're all the same. It's just zombies hopping because that's a thing, I guess. Um, yeah, but most of the time it's it's been fun. And, and every time we come across something like the John Travolta collection, Brian still grumbles about it. And he's just like, oh, God damn it, you're making me do this. You know, but then we'll come across something like the Charles Bronson collection. And he's like, this is a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> But other than that, just lifing, you know, mm-hmm. all that goes. Yeah. Damn. Vanessa? What's always going on with me? <laughs> Work. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Sucking the life out of me. No, I've actually squeezed in some art museum visits. I uh, saw the Frida Kahlo visit here at the Brooklyn Museum twice <laughs> within, I guess, two, three weeks. Yeah. And, and I got to see a good, uh, like... Uh, black power one that they had too so it was like uh, something creative I get to be around (laughs) for a change Um, it was it was very nice and reminds me I need to stop working as many hours as I do and yeah so that's about it with me (laughs) happy birthday yeah whatever happy birthday (laughs) thank you and yeah that's about it okay Has anybody seen anything? What have we watched recently that was interesting? Or, yeah, what have we watched recently? Yeah, that, that's how we do it. Yeah. <laughs> that seems vaguely familiar. Yeah. Yeah. It's been I a just while. made, uh, well, the, some discussion came up about <clears throat> The Last Exorcism because someone posted an article where someone made the statement, um, I think it was Total Film, um, where they made the statement that, you know, they think that The Last Exorcism is better than The Exorcist. Which led to a lot of screaming and stuff. Right. You know, I mean, people are entitled to their opinion or whatever. I don't happen to agree with that. uh, But I personally think The Exorcist is a masterclass in filmmaking regardless of genre. I mean, it's just incredible on every level. That's where I stand. I do enjoy The Last Exorcism, but mainly for Cotton Marcus. Like, the the lead performance there of the character, Cotton Marcus, is so incredible. I just, I love that guy. I think he didn't, he, he just is phenomenal. So, because of that, uh, yesterday, I think, I was like, hey, I've been talking about this a lot lately, and it makes me want to watch it. Would you be interested in watching The Last Exorcism? And... It's not often that we go out of our order, you know, usually if it's something you'll be like, we're going to be there in a couple of years. We'll watch it then, you know, <laughs> like when we get to that letter. But, you know, Elle is really far. So he's like, he's like, yeah, I, I don't mind at all. I'll watch that movie. I'm like, OK, so we watched it. And yeah, I, I do enjoy that film. Then I was like, let's watch the second one. It's on Prime. Like, we don't own it, and there's a reason for it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm like, the second one's on Prime. Let's watch it. And he's like, I don't want to. And I'm like, please, like, I really, I really want to watch it. Now that we've watched the first one, I want to go immediately into the second one. Maybe I'll think differently about it. You know, it's been several years. And he's like, all right, fine. So we watched the second one. I don't know that I've ever seen that movie. <laughs> I, I, all this time I thought I had and I remember on Devour when we were constantly making fun of the fact that it was called The Last Exorcism Part 2 Yeah, I don't know <laughs> that I ever saw it though because I I swear I did but I did not remember one iota of that film not one little thing nothing rang a bell and I'm like I swear I saw this movie but god damn I don't remember anything 
And Brian's like, well, it is pretty forgettable. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't remember anything. (laughs) I mean, nothing. I didn't remember the premise. I didn't remember that it was not found footage. I didn't remember that Cotton wasn't in it at all. I didn't, I mean, because you kind of get the impression that he's dead at the end of the first one, but like you don't actually see it happen. So I, I was hoping he would come back in the second one. No, I, I mean, you just, you don't, nothing, nothing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe I never saw it. Maybe all this time I thought I did and I didn't because this makes no sense and it rings no bells. He's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I'm like, I don't either. I'm very confused. Like, <laughs> I was really under the impression that I had seen that film and now I just don't know. So anyway, well, it, it wasn't terrible, but. That film is confusing because it's yeah. like. Why? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it kind of. Why was it interesting made? <laughs> choices? And one thing that Brian brought up, and I think I think is is very true, is that he's like the character of the young girl from the first film is the main focus of the second film. Like the entire film revolves around her, and he's like, you know, the character nor the actress are really strong enough to carry an entire film. I'm like, that's kind of true. I was like, this doesn't really make a whole. I don't know why. I don't know why they did what they did. I don't know. And there were some scenes in there that just didn't make much sense at all. And, and a lot of it was very coincidental. Like she would, so was her, the video of the first movie, basically, the, the video of that went viral. And so people are recognizing her on the street from being in this viral video of an exorcism, like her whole story. And I'm like, what the hell? Who put that out? Like, what? I mean, did the cult members do that? Because who, who would do that? Everyone was dead. Like all the good people. So who was putting this video on the internet? It makes no fucking sense. The but anyway, devil. Whatever. I guess. Oh, but there's an interesting thing, though. This is an interesting mm. thing. I did not remember this at all. The demon that they are worshiping in that film and that is possessing her is, forget the name, is... Uh, um, Jerry? Uh, no, I'm... Um, shit, I can't remember. But anyway, it's, it's payment. It's another name for payment. Oh. And I, w- I never put that together, probably because I never saw this movie when I thought I did. But, like, well, and I, you know, I probably didn't think about it because it's a pretty forgettable movie. Well, it is. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, I know I saw it and it. I wish I could forget it completely. Yeah. But it's perfect. It's I've forgotten a lot of it because, yeah, it's forgettable. It is, it is forgettable. It is. And that's sad. But by the, but by yeah. the time Hereditary came out, there is no way in hell I was going to remember the name of the demon from this movie or, or even from the first one because it's mentioned in the first one. But there I I there's no way that I was going to remember that because I did actually do research on payment after mm-hmm. Hereditary came out. Because right. I remember. And um, because <laughs> I was interested in selling my soul. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I figure, you know, hmm. I was told it's um, kind of a seller's market right now. And I like needlepoint. So uh, I was going to make sure. As do I. <laughs> as, as do I. Well, sounds like we got something going here. But I, I think that's interesting, though. It's actually an alternate name for the same demon from Hereditary, which is a much better film. But well, I think that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. You know, it, I, I was like, wow, look at that. Like I actually learned something, but then I'm thinking, did they do any research on this demon or do they right. just get the name out of a hat? Because nothing from this film fits any of the research that I did when I was researching the demon from hereditary. So like, and you can tell in hereditary that they actually did do research 
on a lot of the ways that this demon would or things it would do, ways it would react or whatever. Or it's, you know, one of its main things being that, yes, it does prefer to be a male. And mm-hmm. and the whole point of <clears throat> the whole focus of of the last exorcism is around a girl. And I'm like, that flies in the face of of who this demon is. And when it had there were there were boys around like her brother was there. So like right. I don't know that they even put any effort into it or they just like this is a cool name, let's do that. Yeah. No, I don't know. But anyway, um that's what I've been watching lately. <laughs> that was just yesterday. <laughs> oh, and then we watched the Puppet Masters last night to get back on track with our with our um with our thing. Our, we're in the two two packs now. Oh, and okay. the Puppet Masters with Donald Sutherland, not Puppet Master, but the Puppet Masters. The and it's really good. I really like that movie. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that one is actually pretty good. Yeah, and it's in a two pack with Deep Rising. Oh, Which that, I yeah, understand. all right. Yeah, but, nah, it's a good it's double solid. feature. Yeah. No, it's a very good, solid two-pack. I just, I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, I'll go with that. But yeah, it's that was a fun one. That was a really, we got to that one, and he's like, which one do you want to watch first? And I was like, I don't care. Like, either one of those is A-okay with me. So. All right. Uh, boom. Uh, I, uh, all right. So I watched a movie called Better Off Zed. <laughs> That doesn't sound promising. It's it, it, it's better than it sounds. Um, it it stars the guy who, who started Zomb- Zombie Ah uh, Zombie Honeymoon. It was the name of the movie. Uh, oh, yeah. I remember that movie. Yeah, which is also better than you would think it was gonna be. Wasn't that yeah. Australian or New Zealand or something? Maybe. I mean, he's an American actor. At least I think he is. And, I was thinking but he's uh anyway so he's in this and it's kind of in the same spirit of that film where it's him and his wife in a zombie apocalypse um he is sort of enjoying the fact that they've got this routine down and their relationship is better than it's ever been and nothing's really being asked of him and to the point that he's sort of deliberately not following up on chances to be rescued and so forth. And anyway, it's uh, it was all right. You know, it was uh, one of those things that popped up on Amazon Prime. And I was like, oh, yeah, the guy from Zombie Honeymoon. Let me give it a look. And I was like, yeah, OK. It, again, better kind of than the, the title would suggest. Still not great, but mm-hmm. it was all right. Uh, you know. I like uh, I, I like a, a, a underdog every now and again when I'm watching a movie. Um, yeah. So I and then I've been watching a lot of like young adult horror films, uh, hmm. which I, I watched Goosebumps two. Oh, how was that? Not very good. That's what I've heard. <laughs> and I and I liked the first one all right. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't care for the second one. And then I finally caught up to um, the house with a clock in its walls. Oh, yeah. Which is probably my second favorite Eli Roth film. Okay. Given the fact that I think most of the time he really sucks. Yeah, and, I would agree. But I think it was a perfectly fine, like, kids horror film, and there's some good creepy stuff in it. It's always nice, nice to see Kyle MacLachlan show up uh, in, in a film, and mm-hmm. 
he's all right and uh jack black is occasionally a little too jack black for my taste but Kate Blanchett is forever my, you know, my ice queen uh, <laughs> of of cinema. So I can watch her in just about anything. And yeah, it's all right. It's it's a good kids. Like if you want a kind of horror movie to watch with your kids, if they're say under the age of ten, mm-hmm. perfectly acceptable. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah it's kind of it for me. Little experiments and and also a bunch of movies about sex, but uh, that's. Uh, just because I'm horny. Movies about sex or porn? Movies about sex. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not that I would judge either way. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with either, but I was... And not like I'm not doing that too, but... Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, we're... I don't don't do that when there are trick-or-treaters in the hallway, but... (laughs) I didn't know there were going to be (laughs) trick-or-treaters. Yeah, because Halloween is never a giveaway. (laughs) There are never trick-or-treaters in New York apartment buildings, Jamie. I'm just saying. That's how we roll here. Who expects trick-or-treaters on Halloween? I don't blame <laughs> in New York City, you don't do it in most in most neighborhoods in most buildings. It's Je- uh, they were Jehovah's Witnesses. It's good for them. Actually, no, those weren't the Jehovah's Witnesses because they can't trick or treat. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> it was the kids next door to them. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they're still church going folk. <laughs> Anywho, see David, this is what you miss out on. <laughs> No, no, I remember that story. <laughs> anyway, what did you watch? Who were you talking to? You. When? I said, Vanessa, what have you been watching? Um, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the segue. Oh, God. So hostile. Quiet, you. Anywho, um, <laughs> I haven't been able to watch as much as I've wanted, because unfortunately... I've been working too much even at home mm-hmm. and most of what I've been watching has been for VD clinic, which with this month we did have Bo on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes. And you actually edited. Thank you. Yes, I did. Spawn of, yes. Spawn of Canadian Satan. Yes. So I've been watching, we watched for that uh, monster about uh, alien Warnos. And mm-hmm. so I've been doing a lot of, true crime <laughs> document more than usual <laughs> for me like i'm already like someone who will just oh my thing that i throw up in the background just for noise is like law and order svu or know. you know forensic files <laughs> i mean it's oh. just bill curtis's voice or like no that's not bill curtis it's peter thomas i think it's the narrator anyway <laughs> scary that i know these things but so I've just been watching more and more of those kinds of things. And I was watching this document. I watched documentary. Um, I fi- I went through the Leaving Nether- Neverland documentary and that whole rabbit hole, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, it, it's been pretty well done, I have to say. But nothing surprising there, in my opinion. I mean, if you've listened to anything for years right. about those stories, but. I don't know that, and I've been watching a lot of Pam Greer movies. <laughs> so yeah, that's the usual. Those are bad things. <laughs> no, I rewatched like the Arena, which I hadn't seen in a while. Yeah. So. All right. What about you, David? Uh, what have I been watching? Uh, I watched uh, Polar on Netflix. That um, Matt Mickelson movie. It's pretty good. I enjoyed it. I keep hearing that. I would warn you that there is a scene you will not like in it. Involving a dog. Um, um, 
which they said it like yeah uh, i would have been fine if that hadn't happened i mean it was i understand why they did it but yeah anyway do i watched uh manhunter because i got it on blu-ray and that movie's real good mm-hmm. um i watched red dragon that movie's real bad yeah it, yeah it's it's almost head scratching because it was like you saw how they made the good one right <laughs> just do that yeah they wanted then- to be different they, they just did. yeah they they were different it was yeah. bad <laughs> right yeah but yeah why be good i guess right and when you have the opportunity to suck <laughs> oh yeah that's that's not a good movie um so i also watched uh the original flatliners and that's pretty good i think the the I reveal of what's movie. actually going on is kind of bullshit because i was on board 100 percent with pissed off ghosts and then that's not what it was. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. I I'm just, like, all right. I, uh, I love the aesthetics of that film. Yeah. It, yeah. Is, yeah. it is so clear. <laughs> I mean, like you just, you can't watch that film and not know who made it. it. It just is. I don't know. I love it. I love the, the just over the top, like Gothic part, like the, the, the whole, the place where they do the resurrections, like the, yeah. the dying and the coming back, like just that whole Gothic area with, you've got like the, the, the wind blowing through the hair we're, we're doing some renovations, curtains, the lighting, <laughs> Keeper Sutherland's apartment. And it's, and like that one, the neon cross that, I mean, it just, I'm just crazy about the way it looks. I think it's, and it's very, it's very of its time. Like it's damn, but it's gorgeous. Like I love it for that. And I never saw the remake, but I just, I kind of feel like it would be incredibly bland. And that's everything I heard about it was that it was incredibly bland. And eventually I'll get around to seeing it because I will, you know, I'll give it its day in court, but I just don't see how it could ever top it, top that visually, you know? Yeah. Speaking of remakes, I also saw Suspiria, which holy oh. shit, that holy movie shit was good? fucking great. Yeah, man. Yeah, I love I, the shit out of that movie. Yeah, I, I need to watch it again because I, the first time was just trying to like follow the movie and figure out what the hell was going on, and then like afterwards I was like, all right, I need to watch that again at some point because that was good, but I want to like take it all in now that I can know what I'm getting into. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. I I I have wanted to go back and watch that again recently quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh cuz the first time I watched it I was like, "Eh, I like it. I don't know if I love it." So I'd like to give it another look and like you said just kind of knowing what it is cuz it's it's such an unusual movie. Yeah. You know. But I was also like I was impressed because I I thought when they originally announced they were going to do a remake, I was like, how the, how, how, how do you remake Suspiria? That movie is a movie with, it's all visuals. There's literally barely a plot. How do you remake this? And they did. They managed to actually flesh out a story out of the bare bones plot of the original and did a really good job. But yeah, And a really dance enjoyed. school where there's actual dancing. Right. Whole concept. Yeah. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was really good. Yeah, that's about all I've really watched that comes to mind recently. I've been playing a shit ton of um, Resident Evil 2. It seems like, real good. Again, it, it seems is. real I've, good. I've finished it. I've finished uh, three playthroughs already. Oh, wow. Uh, two, two Leon A's and one Claire B. And I'm, I just started a hardcore save so I can try and do a... Uh, try to get an S rank on Claire A, which I think my time limit is like two hours and two and a half hours 
I think is my complete is what I have to do to complete it to get an S rank. I think I have to double check. It's something ridiculously like short. I've not allowed myself to get it yet because I have so many things that I am still in the middle of that mm. I I'm just like I have to I've got to buckle down. I've got to buckle down and finish the stuff that I'm playing because a while ago, just on a whim, I decided I wanted to play Resident Evil 4 again. So mm-hmm. I'm like halfway through that. I'm halfway through The Last Tomb Raider. I'm I've got like four or five video games going at once and I haven't even touched a Red Dead Redemption yet. Brian's been hey, Brian did. He's he, like he's done. I mean, there are so many things that I just haven't done and I'm like I'm not allowing myself to get anything new until I catch up like i've got to buckle down well then days gone is coming out so uh, i would honestly i would say you should definitely get resident evil 2 because it's really fucking good like it's phenomenal uh, i know it will be resident evil 2 (laughs) is one of my all-time favorite video games ever yeah and you're gonna you're gonna love it it's i just imagine absolutely gorgeous this is gonna be insane and i've seen some playthroughs of it and i've you know i really want to dig in i really want to dig into it but I just I feel like I need to to clean up some of my shit. Like, I feel like well, I here's the just... thing about Resident Evil Two is it's actually relatively quick. Like the first, yeah, your first run through will take a while because you have to find shit. And like I think my first first finished playthrough was like eight hours, I think something like that. Um, and then my first S rank run was like three hours thirty. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So like once you know what you're where you're going, it's actually fairly quick to get through the game but like it's super fun and it's really really good and yeah it's fucking great like here's I've... one question i do have mm. do we have that scene where you, oh god with the metal detectors where you have to drop your gun and then go through the detector and then come back and then go back no. out and then come back in and then go back out and then come back because no. that really pissed me off there was no there's nothing like that it's um <laughs> okay. it's good uh, it's like it feels like They've taken all the the really, really good stuff that they've done with all the last few Resident Evil games and taken in the Resident Evil 7 engine and went, okay, cool. And then went, here's Resident Evil 2. Let's remake that. And then made this amazing fucking game. Like the voice acting is fantastic. The writing is fantastic. The game handles beautifully. I've been playing on PS4. It looks fantastic. And like the, the controls are great. I bought the deluxe edition like on launch and I don't usually buy a, I don't usually buy games at launch, and B, I rarely buy deluxe editions, but I dropped the 70 bucks or whatever it was for it because um, I wanted the classic soundtrack and the the classic costumes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And also, I think I got, I think with the deluxe edition, I got like all of the costumes and then like from the ninth, and then they released the the, uh, the Polygon costumes recently for as a free update or no free DLC rather. Oh, I also want to play seven again because I got Brian VR for Christmas. Oh, I need to finish seven. I and started. I, oh, I love that game so much. But I, I but for Christmas, I got Brian the, the, the PlayStation VR. And yeah. that's one of the things like I want to go through and do. Yeah, I wanted to pick one of it. I want to get a, a PSVR at some point. Um, Boy, that Tetris I, effect is, is pretty cool uh, <laughs> in, in the VR. Nice. And I also uh, I recently just bought uh, Code Veronica because that was available on Xbox. And I was like, yeah, I'll buy that again. I haven't played that in forever. I liked so. that game. I think I played that one twice. Yeah. So I think I've got, I have a bunch of horror games I'm, I'm, I need to play through and stream. But Oh, I, I played it once one... when once when it hmm? came out on, I think it was on 
Dreamcast, Xbox, or, I don't know, whatever it came out on originally. And then um, my friend's brother had it on either it was either Dreamcast or he might it might have been the Wii. Mm. Yeah, it got re-released a bunch of times. I think it was the Wii, and then we played it again because why not? But yeah, because it's Resident, it's Resident Evil. Resident Evil games are great. Uh, most of them. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan of five. Like I, I, I still uh, have it. I never yeah. finished five. I, I, I've got it, and I keep like looking at it. And I'm like, I'm gonna stream that someday, and I'm like, I'm gonna hate every minute of it because it was built for co-op. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of it, but five and six both, yeah. Yeah, yeah, five and yeah. six were both. I never even good. tried six. I, there were I so many bad reviews when that played. game came out that I didn't even try it. But um, apart for, until seven came out, mm. four was the 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 last one that I finished, and that one I sat I sat and played straight through, beginning to end. I because I love that game, and even though they're not like zombies, I just yeah. I felt like it had it was spiritually it was there. Yeah, yeah. and then five I just didn't feel it. Yeah, four is real good. I've I've beaten four several times. I remember. I I think I bought it on the when it originally came out on GameCube. I bought it and played it and played it, played it and played it. And then I, I streamed it maybe two years ago uh, on my YouTube. And then I I think I restarted it recently, um, but I kind of fucked myself because I wasn't playing smart. So I just, it's it was I guess I've just reached the first point where I'm introduced to the guy with a chainsaw, and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't have any ammo. Well. This is this is I'm I'm dead now because the last save puts me right here with nothing to do. So I may have to restart this game. Oh well. That's why I never finished Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> I screwed myself so hard at the very end of that game, and I there was no way I could come back from it. The only thing I could do was just start over, and I was like, "Fuck that, man." <laughs> yeah, that, I, I had to abandon my first <laughs> my first Leon save um, because I was I had like no healing items. I was in caution health barely any ammo and i was going into the final fight with uh with the tyrant and i'm just like i'm okay i can't do this i'm like i have no way to fucking do this and then so i was like i was streaming i was playing that one on my own and i was streaming uh claire so i finished that one and i was like all right god damn it i want this infinite fucking knife so i went through into leon a uh fucking s run and managed to get through it for just fine i was like okay there we go I haven't gone back to the original save because I've just I've abandoned it. It's like nope, that's just not going to happen. That's just going to delete that save and call it a day. But it's real okay, fucking well, good. Next week on video game talk, <laughs> right? <laughs> I anyway. can only add that I've been uh, doing a lot of uh, jigsaw puzzles. So <laughs> nice, excellent. Yes. All right, so I guess that's <laughs> it. I played some we... Uno. <laughs> I've played solitaire. <laughs> uh, all right, so I guess that's it for the opening stuff. Um, let's take a break and do the news. I've been really big into digital coloring lately. God damn it, Jamie! <laughs> on my on my phone. Be quiet a second, will you? It's eight o'clock in Los Angeles. It's nine o'clock in Denver. It's ten o'clock in Chicago. In Baltimore, it's six forty-two. Time for the eleven o'clock report. Here's Johnny! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Game over, man! Game over! Your mother sucks cocks in hell. 
and welcome back to the news that was so beautifully gathered, as usual, by Vanessa, our hardworking news gal. I gathered it in the middle of a meeting for you. Ooh. Wow. I did. Dedication. (laughs) Me referring to you as a gal was not intended in any way to be sexist. (laughs) No, but I get it. I'm your gal Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's right. I, or what was it? Test Tuesday or something. <laughs> what was that called? Cereal. Anyway, go ahead. With the news, Jamie. Okay. First up. But you have check- to deliver like this, see? <laughs> Can I get a. <laughs> Dateline Devour. On Movie Tone News. Just in on the wire. Who's stepping out with David Anders? Then answers may surprise you. <laughs> Took a powder and blew his top of the cops. <laughs> Park Chan Wook and S. Craig Zoller join forces for ultraviolet western. I like the sound of that. First off, I love some ultraviolet westerns. Old boy director Park Chan-wook has been talked to direct the ultra-violent Western thriller penned by writer-director S. Craig Zoller of Bone Tomahawk and Brawl in Cell Block 99. Oh, this is so exciting. It's been announced by Collider that thanks to Amazon Studios, the project is finally going to happen. Titled The Brigands of Rattle Creek. Rattle Creek, yeah. Uh, The film follows a sheriff and a doctor who seeks revenge against a group of bandits who use the cover of a torrential thunderstorm to rob and terrorize the occupants of a small town. As reported by Collider, the script was popular on the 2006 blacklist, but languished in creative purgatory. It's said that American studios are eyeing Matthew McConaughey for the role of the hero town doctor with another A-lister as the sheriff. The brigands of Rattle Creek sound like the perfect project for McConaughey after his work in thriller Killer Joe and season one of True Detective. He's shown that he can really sink his teeth into a good meaty role. Also, we would just love to see him chew the hell out of what is sure to be some insane Gorefield scenery. This will mark Park Chan-wook's second English language film after 2013's Stoker. Fans will be familiar with his Proclivity for revenge flicks, most notably the Vengeance Trilogy, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Lady Vengeance, and 2003's now cult classic, Old Boy. As a director, Park is skilled at crafting beautiful scenes that are enriched with strong tension and brutality. We can't wait to see what he does with the landscape of a taut western pumped full of vicious violence. Sign us the hell up. Well, I agree with all of that. I am very excited. I am a huge fan of Bone Tomahawk. It was my number two movie the year that it came out. I was also a huge fan of uh, Cell Block 99, although I did not consider it a horror film, so it didn't make my list that year. I had a hell of a fun time watching it. And with Park's, like just his directorial sensibilities, I'd say, yes, please. Anyone else? Ditto what you said. <laughs> I'm right there. Yeah, yeah, he, he's one of my favorite directors. I think that uh, if you make the movie Thirst, then you everything mm. you make from then on, I kind of need to watch it. And then he makes Stoker, which is th- the closest we will ever get to a Flannery O'Connor story brought to life. Yes, you yeah. just nailed that. Yes, and, absolutely. And you yeah. know how I feel about Flannery O'Connor. 
Yeah, I mean, it is incredible. So, yeah, the fact that he wants to do a Western now, I'm I'm totally for... Like, whatever he wants to do. He, could, he is going to do a remake of My Dinner with Andre, and it will never be subtitled. <laughs> ever. <laughs> and I would be like, yeah, I will watch all of that, please. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I have loved the resurgence of Westerns that we've gotten um, recently horror westerns in particular but just i love westerns on the whole i i have always loved westerns and you can always get my attention with that but like recently we just wa- rewatched for the hell of it the burrowers and uh, dead birds which i love and i'm just like ah you know and bone tomahawk is fantastic i just i love them i love them so i just i can't be more excited about this I couldn't if I wanted to. I just want it to hurry up and, and be a thing. That's what I need. It's just them to make it a thing. Also, I like saying the word bone tomahawk. Yeah. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> oh, and please have. Oh, man, I would love it if they would utilize um, Richard Jenkins again. Because he is he was phenomenal. Sure. I just I love him as the old coot. And uh, <laughs> just put him in there somewhere, please. Because he was so good. Yeah. He's one of those actors that, like, hey, if you want to make your movie better, put uh, put him in it. Put Paul Giamatti in it. Uh, yeah. If you can yeah. find yourself a Sam Rockwell, put him in mm-hmm. it. Never go wrong with that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Which was like Sam Rockwell was the only thing that salvaged fucking poltergeist for me. Didn't even really salvage it, but it made it watchable. <laughs> like <laughs> when I was in the theater. And he even, I felt like he phoned that in completely. But. Yeah, you could tell at a certain point that he was just like, oh, so this is going to be bad? Oh, okay, I don't have to care about this. Okay, good. I think that's pretty much <laughs> what he said in an interview. Um, I think at the time, because we were reporting on it at the time uh, here on the show, and I want to say the one of, one of the things he said was, I hear that it's going to be in 3D, so that's something. <laughs> or something yeah, along yeah. those lines. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> like wow. <laughs> Yeah, he knew what that movie was. He knew exactly, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, next up, Jordan Peele's Us earns perfect 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. First of all, um, for those lucky lucky ones out there who were able to see this at South by Southwest, um, fuck you hard. Uh, (laughs) I I am so excited for this film. Uh, Also, there was a tweet. There was a tweet that came out. uh, Well, I'm not sure when it was tweeted, but I saw it yesterday where Jordan Peele was basically it's a horror film. It's like it's not Mm -hmm. he's not it's not a what was the a A thriller, a social thriller. Yeah, somebody referred to it as a thriller and he said, no, no, no. It's it's a a horror. It's a horror film. Yeah. And another thing that I've been hearing about it is that, and this is something that I've actually had a conversation with Ashley about this. Ashley Blackwell, um, who, by the way, oh my god, huge props to her for the documentary that she produced recently that just came out. I know this is off the uh, off the story, but no, you're right. Absolutely. If if anybody out there has not seen Horror Noir, I highly recommend it. It was, uh, it just was phenomenal. And it was, I I immediately called Ashley and I'm like, look, first of all, fantastic job and congratulations because she was getting a lot of kudos for it and, and the whole team was, and they all deserved it. I mean, it was just, it's really well done. And uh, Shudder was getting crazy numbers 
for this. And Mm -hmm. which again, that's amazing. And then I'm like, you know, as I was watching this documentary, I'm like, this is something that has needed to happen for a very long time, but I can't imagine anyone putting it together better than they did. Like it just, it is, it's so good. I mean, just, I was crying. I called her and you know me, I cry at everything. But I called her and um, bless her heart by the time I because I watched it after work one night and it was kind of late and I felt really bad because I didn't realize how late it was when I called her (laughs) at first. And then as the phone's ringing and her voicemail picks up, I was like, oh, my God, like, (laughs) this is so rude of me. I'm like, but I was so excited. I just picked up my phone and dialed like I didn't even I didn't even think about it. And so she didn't answer because it was kind of late. I mean, it wasn't like two in the morning, but it was, you know. It was kind of like, so <laughs> I left her a voicemail and I'm bawling through the whole, whole voicemail. And I'm like, you know, if you understand any of this, please give me a call back. <laughs> and she did. And we had a wonderful conversation and I'm so incredibly proud of everything that she's done. It, it touched me on so many levels, which is uh, phenomenal. But why am I talking about this? Oh, oh, because uh, in that conversation that we had, uh, I was talking about how what I would love to see is... I would love to see a film that is centered around people of color, made by people of color. Like, I, I want this. I want the, the Jordan Peele experience, but that is that treats it as just a family going through something in, like any other family would go through. Like, I, I want it to be I, I want it to I want us as a society to get to a point where it's not it. I'm not trying. Like it doesn't have to be. It's not notable that uh, right. Yeah, it, it's you. it's a film that is about a black middle class family. Yeah, that that is that goes without comment because there's nothing to comment on. Exactly. It's that just is, a it's a family. family. It is right. just a family, and that's what I told her. I'm like, I want us to get to the point where it's it doesn't have to be about that. Where it doesn't where that's not the where the fact that they're people of color is not what is significant about the film. And I feel like if we can get to that point, then that will be huge. You know, that we can just when we see a, a horror film, we see it as a horror film. And I feel like and the things that I've seen that that Jordan has said about this film and some of the early reviews that I saw, which I didn't read too in depth um, because I'm trying not to. Like, I really wanted to go into this film fairly cold, but I was just trying to get it an idea. And the things that I have seen so far have said pretty much that it's it's not really heavy on the commentary. It's just a horror film. It's it's a horror film that focuses on this family and this is who they are. This is just who they happen to be. And I I think that's a good thing. Not that I think there's anything wrong with commentary. I think we do we need those films. I but this is this is kind of like if that's true, this is going in a step in the direction of what I want is where I just want everyone to be seen as everyone. You know. Anyway, and that's that's kind of what I feel like is this where this might be going from things that I've seen Jordan say and things that I have seen other people say. And if so, I think that's very cool. I think that any film with it that tells us something is, is wonderful. I mean, I love commentary on any level. I love a smart horror film, but I, I am kind of excited that if this is an example of just, Hey, this is just a family. And cause that's really, you know, why can't we, why aren't we there yet? I don't understand. I don't understand why it is taking us so long to get to this point. 
you know, where when a black man makes a film or a black woman or anyone makes a film, then that is what is is the focus. Why? I mean, you know, you don't see people walking out making a big deal because, you know, a white person made a film because that's not because they don't focus on their race because they're, you know, they expect them to do things. They're focusing on the film itself. Well, we need to do that for everyone. We need to get to this point where we need to be. Jesus Christ, I'm babbling. But anyway, that's where I want us to be. So um, I'm really excited. And I'm not surprised that it has gotten a uh, such high ratings so far because every single review I've seen has been phenomenal. And honestly, it, it doesn't surprise me either because of what we got with Get Out, which I thought was a brilliant film. And not only brilliant in what it had to say and how it said it, but just on every level. I think it was, I mean, really well put together by someone who understands the genre and who cares and who is a true horror fan. And, I mean, I was just blown away because I know a lot of people question the fact that he was a comedian and how is he going to do this? But, you know, he did it. He did a phenomenal job. Yeah, but even if you look back at this comedic show key and peel there was already a heavy horror influence he, oh. al- he already i mean like if people had paid attention that's what gets me like it's not like this came out of the blue but also no no it you was can't, you are completely capable of liking multiple genres well it's just like danny mcbride and halloween you know uh, as soon as it was announced that danny mcbride was involved in the script writing for halloween people were like what are you talking about he's a comedian well yeah duh well so was john landis but mm-hmm. i mean he wasn't a stand-up comedian but he <laughs> john landis was a comedic director but you know he did it and i, I things i've said and i think i've even said it on this show before is that horror and comedy are tied in so many ways they both require impeccable timing mm-hmm. and the same skills that are involved to make one genre are also highly necessary in the other. And it's not like making a strictly romantic comedies and then, you know, making a swerve into horror. Those can be very different. And I'm not saying that you're incapable of making both, that anyone would be incapable of it. But what I'm saying is those are very different things. I have always felt that comedy and horror are very similar. It's well, they, in technique. They tap into some of the similar ways of dealing with emotion. Yes. Like they deal like deal with a lot of the same core things. You will laugh or scream out of a nervous reaction. It's still a nervous reaction to something. Absolutely. And if but, you can understand that for one of those, then you have a very close. good chance of understanding yes. it for the other. And if you're successful in one medium, then I think you could easily be successful in another if, you know, you care about your craft. So anyway, so it's no surprise to me, not no surprise to me at all. But there, the actual article does say something. Um, <laughs> it says, uh, now that I've babbled for 30 minutes, it says, if you'd ask me five years ago if one of the guys from Key and Peel would emerge as the next great horror director, I'd have thought you were nuts. Oh, we'll see here. Clearly, this is not for me. <laughs> Um, yet here we are as Jordan Peele continues conquering the world. Personally, I loved Get Out, and if not for it, it, the film, the Stephen King's It, uh, Peele's debut would would have been my favorite horror film of 2017. I've been impatiently waiting for the follow-up, Us, ever since. Now there's only a bit over a week left to wait for its arrival. 
While Us hasn't technically released yet, it held its premiere screening recently at South by Southwest, and based on the critical reaction so far, Peel has another get-out-sized hit on his hands. The sophomore slump isn't in effect. With 39 reviews counted so far, Us sports a perfect 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. While that number might eventually drop slightly, it probably won't go far, as Get Out landed at 98% with over 300 reviews counted. Well, that, I'm just, yeah. I'm even more excited. All right, so let me get my grandpa rant about this out of the way. Go, grandpa, go. So I saw this happen recently with the new Pet Cemetery film as well, which is, hey, there's a premiere at a film festival attended by critics that are largely genre fans that see a movie and surprise, surprise, at a festival surrounded by their peers in an atmosphere of excitement, they really like a movie. And mm-hmm. then that shit starts hitting like Twitter and, and that kind of thing. And it's like, holy shit, everybody loves this movie. Critics are raving. And it's a bunch of critics talking to each other about the same movie that they just saw. And that's the shit that's hitting Rotten Tomatoes. It's not, for the most part, when it comes to something like a festival screening that is where the, this isn't like a press screening for, you know, a bunch of New York film critics. This is a bunch of fans who run blogs and shit like that for the most part. And I'm not saying they're wrong. And I'm not saying that us isn't a great movie because I haven't seen it yet. uh, Although I'm seeing it tomorrow night. But this, like, holy shit, it's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes before it comes out and has been seen by critics who are actual critics and not just, you know, influencers and shit. And, And while I am all for being enthusiastic about a movie that you want to see uh this this uh, hey it's a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes holy shit us is a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes pet cemetery is a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes it is fucking meaningless it's like it, it doesn't yeah, who gives a shit about rotten tomatoes right well, it, no, it is the aggregate right. it's right. it's the aggregate score of of all the reviews who saw this at this festival, they all gave it a passing grade. It could be every one of them could be a completely middling review where they were like, eh, it's all right. It's better than somebody kicking you in the balls. And and it's like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, holy shit. So like this Rotten Tomatoes thing has gotten out of hand, and every time I hear it now, I'm like, All right, I you know, all you're telling me is that for a snapshot in time that real honest to goodness critics hadn't gotten a look at this or it is so blandly inoffensive that no one has bothered to give it a bad review one of those two things has happened here or it could genuinely be very good exactly like i i look i'm not impugning the movie it's it's not it's not necessarily accurate (laughs) is the point right it's just a meaningless review because because the people who are 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 actual honest to goodness critics haven't seen it yet and those are the people that one can argue make a more legitimate snapshot of of the movie in terms of quality but you know 
I mean, fine. I, everybody gets excited about it, and that's great. Uh, but let's not. Well, personally, I give so little shit about what honest to goodness critics have to say because True. I disagree with them so many times. I mean, Siskel and Ebert were honest to goodness critics, and I there are so many times I wanted to set them on fire, particularly when it came to yeah. the horror genre. Yeah. So. I don't give a shit what they have to say. I don't also give a shit about what anybody says on Rotten Tomatoes. But I, it does give me excitement to see that it is getting, from what I've read, now, and this has nothing to do with this article or the fact that it has 100% of Rotten Tomatoes, but just the, <laughs> the reviews that I've read have all been very positive and didn't seem to be written in crayon. So I, you know, I'm still very optimistic about this film. Sure, sure. I, yeah, I, I don't think the movie's going to be bad. I, I think that the the times uh, where you see films advertising ahead of release, like right now, the movie that's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like, right, a week and a half before the movies come out. Of course, the only people you've shown it to are people that want to watch it in the first place. You know, well, so do you want to know what somebody says if they never wanted to see the film, the film to begin with? No, uh, but I also, <laughs> I, but a like a, a film critic that is, you know, honest to goodness, trained, has gone to school and learned oh, film fuck philosophy. Off with that bullshit. Why are you even doing what you do? <laughs> you know, I mean, we've been doing this. I've been doing this shit for over a decade. I've been in the trenches with all of these fucking movies. And you're tr you're going to tell me that because I don't have a degree that my my opinion doesn't mean anything? No, 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 no. But I'm saying if you're going to advertise on like if if you're going to advertise your film on a critical basis, the then it should be honest to goodness accredited film critics. Like people who have gone to school who are publishing for major you know, whether it's newspapers or outlets or whatever. The same know. people who've been shitting on the genre for decades. Yeah. They can suck yeah. a dick. Those people don't know what they're talking about. The, well, uh, I, I disagree with that. But, you know, I, I think that there is one one of the big things that uh, Grandpa Bo sees as a problem with the world around him is the tribal nature of this kind of shit of like, hey, it's. It's a horror film, and therefore I'm going to, I'm going to champion it until someone gives me a reason not to, as opposed to the more skeptical view of that, which is okay. Well, we'll see how the movie is, and then I'll champion it if it's good. And that's the the, the approach I'm more likely to take with most of the stuff I see, with, with exceptions. Like there's some movies that I'm like, look, I have no expectations of quality here. I'm just looking for a good time, and and those movies. I approach with, you know, less of a critical eye. But yeah, I mean, I, I, for me personally, if it's a bunch of people that run horror blogs and they come out and they say that a horror movie is great, yes, I am more skeptical of that review than I am if, you know, the New York Times, for example, says, hey, this horror film is legitimately great. I, I probably <laughs> tend to agree, uh, or at least take notice of that because it's like, Oh, somebody that maybe isn't predisposed to liking the genre is telling me that this is a good film and, and not the other way around, you know? No, I really don't. But, um, I, but they could I, be completely missing the point when I come, because they don't know the genre. I tend to approach films. 
I don't judge a film until I see it myself. So I'm not going to go by what anyone says, whether it's a bunch of yahoos on at a newspaper or it's a bunch of nippleheads on a website. I am not taking either of those into account when when I see the film as to whether or not it's going to it doesn't color my personal view of the film, I guess. But it does actually excite me to hear when genuine fans of the genre are are enjoying something. And then I'm like, oh, well, good. If it's may, if the genre people like it, then there's a chance that I will. So I will get a little more excited about it. I don't always discount what the legitimate critics have to say, I, but I also don't care. Because more, more often than not, what I've found, and oh my God, they have really pissed me off in the last couple of years anyway, because now they've suddenly started to recognize horror because we have prestige horror and they can stick that right up their ass. I mean, we have always had intelligent horror films. We've, I mean, that's not a new thing, but suddenly, you know, now horror is on their radar because they deem it worthy. Kiss my fucking ass. You know, that's why I don't want to listen to you, because those people don't know what they're talking about. Like, if you think that intelligent horror is something that just came along, then you haven't been paying attention. So why should I pay attention to you? But anyway, I'm still excited and I'm going to go see it. <laughs> so, And we'll see what happens. I, I base my expectations on things that I know. Like, uh, for instance, I always expect an amazing score uh, if I know that Goldsmith has has done the score. I always expect amazing visuals if I know that Kubrick has made the film. I always, and in this case, I will expect a smart, really well-done film because of Jordan Peele's history. Now, he could prove me wrong, and if he does, I will be the first one to say this movie sucked. If, in fact, it does, if I do think it does. I don't, I'm not going to, to you know, defend a film that I don't end up loving. But just based on his history and I know it's only his, like he's only had one, but, <laughs> but it was a really fucking good one. So based on that, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this, you know, just like I'd be excited about anything that Flanagan does just because historically he's never let me down. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. And I see what you're saying. I, we just happen to be in two different camps, you know, and I'm right. not, and I'm not saying that you, you know, that your that your opinion about that is invalid. It just does not match mine. Sure, and that's sure. Okay, and your snobbery is showing. <laughs> yeah, I uh, no, uh, that's that's completely accurate. I I do not, uh, for the most part, people who are overly overly beholden to the genre over cinema as a whole then i think like eh, you're there's nothing wrong with that but it also makes it harder to unreservedly accept a recommendation you know where it, it like if, if someone's like no 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 if you're a horror fan then you're gonna love this and what they're saying is if if you weren't a horror fan, this movie wouldn't hold up at all. But because, you know, you like seeing someone opened up to the spleen, this is probably going to be all right. Well, you could say that about something like Cabin in the Woods. You know, uh, if, you're, if you're a horror fan, you'll love this, you know, when, which in, is in fact not true. A lot of horror fans don't love that film and I don't understand it. But sure. But I think I think that a lot of, you know, even what you you might call mainstream critics 
are savvy enough to understand like oh this is a movie that's deconstructing the genre and that's something different and clever and like that movie was very well reviewed not just by horror outlets but just in general and i I think rightfully so In, in a lot of ways it's just kind of splitting hairs over like what kind of review do you do you trust you know i think is kind of the crux of of that conversation and you know i i'm i'm less inclined to trust a fan than an academic i suppose interesting interesting anyway what were we talking about what was the news story that led to all this hey uh jordan was talking about us and how it got a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes oh right 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 which you know means dick so (laughs) right All right, uh, next up, uh, Lizzie Kaplan is Annie Wilkes in Misery-themed second season of Castle Rock, plus Tim Robbins. (laughs) Okay. The first season of Hulu's Castle Rock, set in the Stephen King universe, memorably brought Carrie star Sissy Spacek back into the fold, and Deadline is reporting today that Tim Robbins of the Shawshank Redemption will be returning to the world of Stephen King in season two. They add that Lizzie Kaplan of Cloverfield... Garrett Hunt Headland of Triple Frontier and Elsie Fisher of Eighth Grade have also signed on for the second season of Castle Rock. Kaplan is playing iconic misery character Annie Wilkes. Series regulars also include Yuzro Warsama, Barkhad Abdi, and Matthew Allen. All right, that's just a normal name. I don't know why I couldn't say that. Did you? <laughs> and John Matt, Smith. Matt, Matt, Matthew <laughs> Al Allen. Uh, did you hear in his uh, his most recent Choose Your Own Adventure episode, which, by the way, is a fantastic idea. I love what he's doing over there. D- Duncan is always so innovative when it comes to the podcast under the stairs, and I just it it's really fun. But and the, the last one that I, that <laughs> that I listened to was for Suicide Club, and in the very beginning, he's like reading off the cast names, and at one point, he's just yeah. like, you know what, just forget it. Like, <laughs> right? I know. He's like, I'm going to be here all day. Forget this shit. And he just stops. And it just, it's so cute. It was so cute. Ah, <laughs> uh, Okay. I have not seen any Castle Rock. We were going to, obviously, we would have covered that on Evil Episodes, but then Evil Episodes is not around anymore. So we never got around to it. And I just keep forgetting about it to be perfectly honest. And so I haven't really watched any of it. Have any of you guys watched it? Yeah, I watched it. Was it good? Uh, Or should I trust you? (laughs) (laughs) You should only trust me if you've trusted my reviews in the past. It is... But maybe I was too stupid and I just went along. Say no comment. Um... I felt like it was ultimately really dull. I never, th- I never felt like it got off the ground. There was a lot of stuff where it was like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's kind of cool. But it never felt like there was any propulsion or momentum to the story. Every episode just felt like a thing that kind of happened and laid there. Yeah, it was like sex with a virgin. <laughs> it, it, did you watch it, the whole season yeah yeah i watched okay. every every damn minute of it because i think i had heard someone say at some point that it that basically they described it pretty much how you just did but then i want to say that like around episode five they said it picked up or something but like i generally only give shows three episodes to to get me hooked and if you don't buy then then i got 
better things to do. So, yeah, I think if I hadn't been watching it with with uh, the girl I was dating at the time, I don't think I would have finished. It was just like a thing that we did. And then, you know, now that she's gone, I don't think I'll watch season two unless someone <laughs> unless, unless someone tells me like, no, no, no. They really this season is actually really good. OK, well, then <laughs> maybe I won't make the time. I don't know. Eh, give it an episode or two. But it, like the first episode ended, and I was like, oh, there's a lot of really intriguing pieces to this puzzle. And then by the like third or fourth episode, I was like, boy, they're taking their sweet damn time uh, putting this puzzle together, huh? I am kind of intrigued about the fact that they are bringing in the character of Annie Wilkes. I think that's... But I really don't know anything about the show. So I, I don't know what that means as far as like what they would be doing with that character in the context of the show. So it may or may not be exciting. I have no idea. But um, Yeah, they had a character that was neat. named Torrance in the first season and and actually mentions danny torrance at one point it was like no fucking shit are we about to get like the shining up in here the answer to that is no we're no. not <laughs> oh, that's a shame uh-huh. on the other hand if anyone has not seen mr mercedes i do highly recommend that series that is that was very cool. I enjoyed the shit out of that. And a lot of people, I think, missed it because it was on the audience network or something something random. But it is definitely worth your time. Brendan Gleeson is amazing. Yeah, he's a national treasure. Did I ever tell you about my Brendan Gleeson impression? No. No, it's not an audio. Um, but, like, I was standing outside on the porch. So it's, it really requires description. I was standing outside on the porch one day with Patrick. So this is several years ago. We're standing outside and a drop of rain just I was just happened to hit me in the eye. <laughs> and so immediately I was like, oh, like and I covered my eye and then I came up and I was like, Rawr! <laughs> he goes, nice one, Brendan, <laughs> because of 28 days later. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was really fun. That All right. is fun. <laughs> that is fun. I, I, I can feel you patting me on the head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning. (laughs) Classic FMV horror game, The Seventh Guest, to receive 25th anniversary edition in April. Back in the olden days, the... This was the phenomenon called FMV. You could have high-quality video being played off of CDs and games. The first game to really hit home with the concept was Trilobite's classic, The Seventh Guest. It's still revered today and even got an unofficial fan-made sequel. And now, with these FMV games making a small comeback in recent years, the original game is getting a 25th anniversary edition update courtesy of Mojo Touch. Did uh, you guys play that at all? I did uh, play that game when I was a kid, actually. I do know. I did see something about it on on a gaming channel recently. I never played this game, but Brian did. So I have no... I've never played... I never played any of these games, so... I just... It never... They never seemed interesting to me, and honestly still don't. But, <laughs> um... So I don't, it just wasn't my thing. But you said you have, Bo. Yeah, I did. I did. I... Yeah, that, and there was a, a sequel to it called the Ninth Configure, eh, something or other. Um, 
<laughs> it was some number of something. Uh, but seventh guest was always the the more famous. The ninth son. Uh, who, who cares? Ninth gate. The ninth. <laughs> nine times. I think it's the ninth guest. I but no, it's the seventh guest, and then oh yeah, no, it's the ninth. Here we'll we'll get to the bottom of this. It's uh, it was the eleventh hour. Oh yeah, okay. was the sequel's name. At any rate, um, yeah, it was kind of fun. I mean, it's FMV, and that's not great, but it's right? kind of wonderful in its own weird way. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'm for it. I, I'm curious what they do with it. I mean, when you look at something like that Resident Evil 2 remake, that such, such, sets such a high bar for remaking a game and revitalizing it in a way that makes it feel relevant. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that, that Resident Evil 2 remake feels like it might as well be a modern game. Yeah. Whereas... You know, you can polish up the seventh guest, but it's still going to be dumb old FMV seventh guest, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, well, like I, I bought think... Night Trap recently, and it's right, still like, well, goddamn Night Trap. Yeah, that well, game what sucks. what I was going to say is, with Night Trap, didn't they do some new audio with that? Like, some new dubbing or something? Or did Oh, they... I, I'm not sure. Because I thought they not only attempted to clean it up, I thought they actually tried to improve it some. But I don't know, because I also didn't play that game. Brian got it, though. <laughs> He loves those things. I just don't, I just can't get into them. You know, they were of a time. And when yeah. when it was like, that was kind of what you had to play in the way of horror games. You know, it's it's not like there was a buffet and the seventh guest was the creme de la creme. It was yeah, just like, that eh, right, like here's some Gabriel Knight bullshit or the seventh <laughs> guest. And like, all right, I guess that's what we, we... This is probably as good as video games will ever be. Yeah, fortunately, we're, we were all wrong. Yep. I mean, it's, it's neat that they're doing it. There's certainly a nostalgia factor, but I, I have a hard time imagining how they make that a game that feels like it's a good time. Yeah. I I, I might have a copy in like from GOG or something, maybe? I don't know. I haven't looked at my GOG library in forever, but I, I know there's a bunch of random bullshit hold horror games that i have on there so that might be in there but yeah i heard it was coming to steam i was like ah i'm not gonna bother getting this i don't really care if it gets a console release maybe but yeah i'm not gonna spend money on an fmv game another fmv game in 2019 (laughs) (laughs) okay well then there's that uh next up uh, dynamite and playboy team up for vampirella 50th anniversary story well, that just sounds cool all over the place. Dynamite Entertainment announced their latest crossover, Warlord of Mars Attacks, will pit human Martian John Carter against the barking extraterrestrials from the Burton Mars Attacks. Today, they've dropped another announcement on on that what? on that <laughs> might appeal a bit on what? Well, oh, I think that's supposed to say one. Um, it says on, but I think it's supposed to say one that might appeal a bit more to fans of horror and sex. <laughs> okay. The King of Crossovers have teamed up with Playboy on a standalone Vampirella story in honor of the iconic Vixen's 50th anniversary. Vampirella hashtag zero. Uh, best of all, it appears in Playboy's freedom of speech issue available now. The announcement came as Dynamic prepares to descend on Chicago for the C2E2 convention this weekend. Here are the main stats from this uh, morning's press release. 
The story is written by the legendary Gail Simone, Red Sonia Wonder Woman Domino, and drawn by the peerless Joyce Chen, Xena Warrior Princess Winona Earp, colorist Addison Duke of Barbarella, Deja Thoris, uh, curse words, and letterer Taylor Esposito of Batman Aquaman and Elvira round out the team on this six-page tale. The cover of Playboy was shot by photographer Kelia Ann McCluskey. And then, of course, if you go to the article at Dread Central, then you can see a picture of it. That's a cool thing. Yeah. Yep. I think that's very neat. All around. Neat! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, and the artwork looks pretty cool, so... I will have to check that out. Yeah. yeah. I just get Playboy for the comics. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually why I read The New Yorker, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Hearing that story reminded me that Playboy was still a thing. I, we actually have a... <laughs> we actually have a subscription. I get it for... I get it for Brian for Valentine's Day. <laughs> I love Playboy. I've always loved Playboy. Except for the time when the son decided he wasn't going to do nudity anymore. And I'm like, that's dumb. And then so, they were like, realized what, how stupid it was. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, you know what? I totally fucked up. And then when he realized that, then I started getting the subscription again. But um, I just, there are a lot of things I enjoy about Playboy. And one of them has always been just, well, like right up there, the, the whole freedom of expression thing. I mean, that's huge with me. It's one of my biggest that's one of my biggest things. Also, the there are some really good stories. Some really amazing writers have gotten their start in Playboy. The uh, the interviews are mm-hmm. incredible. They're yeah. really really very good. And yeah. you know, then there's like the com the comics, which are fun. And I don't know. I just it's one of those it's one of those magazines that I will actually enjoy reading cover to cover. So you pause in the middle for a minute and then you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, and our final story of the night, A Nightmare on Elm Street remake scribe describes how director butchered script. And I you know Jamie, I just saw the title of this article and I had to get it just for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what the rest of us think. This well, you know th- what's funny is that <laughs> this this particular film has a lot of tie-ins with this show on a couple of different levels. One, when this film came out, we reviewed it, Bo and I did, on Last Blog Radio, and Rob was our guest. Do you remember this, Bo? I do remember this. You both you both were coming at me like crazy, and I was I was like, no! Like, <laughs> and right. then when David was looking for someone to co-host Devour with him, that's the episode I sent as a sample mm-hmm. to him, and he said, you know what? If you can hold your own against those two... <laughs> over that uh, crappy movie yeah he's like you know what because he's like i don't necessarily agree with you but you you know you didn't back down and uh, i don't remember all the cool things you said at the time but they were very <laughs> cool anyway basically got me on devour so it's it's really very funny that uh, and of course there's been a running joke with merriman for years because he notoriously hates this film and every time anyone brings it up he throws it in my face but um <laughs> It was um, also the show that uh, broke the, the the podcast for a little bit, or the movie rather. Yeah, that's the thing. That's yeah, the thing that happened. Yeah. yeah, that was the 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 episode where everyone was like, "Are you guys okay?" Yeah. <laughs> the only the only time in the years that we've done this show where 
people were genuinely concerned that the show was going to end because we hated each other. That's what I love uh, about us and about this show I always have is that we can be very visceral mm. <laughs> and but that's it that's it it's that's as far as it goes it's it's opinions about film we don't take it personally yeah. you know and and a lot of it is just for fun like debate is fun even if it descends into arguing i think it's you know it's fun and entertaining to listen to you know so i or at least it is for me so I don't know. I've, I've another one that um, that was really damaging <laughs> for or potentially damaging for us was uh, was waxwork. Oh yeah, that was that got really nasty. Like if you remember, like I was so mad, like I wouldn't even talk <laughs> the rest of that episode. I was just like, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. I remember Bo was much uh, much more harsh on that movie than I was. <laughs> well, it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here so we go. This is the problem. <laughs> As opposed to the Friday the 13th franchise, which is on hold pending ongoing litigation, A Nightmare on Elm Street is solely owned by New Line, who are free to reboot the series at any time. While it seems the studio is putting its dollars into the Conjuring universe, Wannaverse, thank you very much, um, a new Nightmare on Elm Street flick is still on the table and is something fans have been... They say chomping at the bit for. I refuse to say that. They've been champing at the bit for. Thank you. <laughs> it annoys the piss out of me. Um, part of New Lines has it. You know what? Who was this written by? But what was that you were saying earlier about educating people? <laughs> hey, I'm, I ain't saying that the I, people who I, write I, for these horror outlets are any better. No, no, no. Most of I, them are garbage. No, no. I'm, I'm agreeing with you now. Like, <laughs> I see your point. <laughs> Um, part of New Lines I'm just kidding to whoever I mean not really but <laughs> whoever this, it, so it they need a better copy editor um, yeah. part of New Lines hesitation may be the disastrous response to 2010's Nightmare on Elm Street except for by me remake everyone seems to agree not me that film was a huge misstep even the film's screenwriter Eric Heisserer in a recent Twitter thread, you know, where all the shit goes down. The Oscar-nominated writer described how his experience on that film was an actual nightmare. For starters, he feels his script was completely butchered by director Samuel Bayer. And this is a quote. Oh, man, what a lesson for me in first movies made. I wish the script I'd written with the two New Line executives as shepherds would have been the movie. The draft we thought was going to be sh shot was different in many ways, some big and some subtle. This happens a lot, but I still have memories of arriving to set and recognizing nothing from the script on the shooting schedule. On my first day on set, a crew member told me, quote, within a quote, <laughs> in this intro scene for the two leads, we decided there wasn't enough dialogue for them at this party, so we took some dialogue from page 87 and put it here. In case you were wondering, this is not how it works, and that was one of so many things I saw undone. What party scene? <laughs> there isn't even a party scene. I don't know what to talk about. Okay, one of the new line guys and I worked hard to sidestep tropes in the script. An example, Freddy appearing while two characters are driving in a car. The trope we've seen a thousand times is... Freddy is standing in the middle of the road and they have to swerve. Let's be smart. And we were, and we were. He can appear anywhere 
and we have the advantage that you don't know which of the two is dreaming, driver or passenger. So we have Freddie rise up in the back seat, taunt Quentin, driving, uh, the, who is driving, through the chair, blood spraying the windshield, Nancy screaming at Quentin, wake up, and he snaps to realize he drifted off while driving. And the two crash the car into a tree. Now, they both have concussions to complicate matters when they realize the way to killing the way to kill him is to fall asleep and then wake up once they have hold of freddy ah but you're not supposed to sleep if you have a concussion what do i see on set that night freddy standing in the middle of the road (laughs) (laughs) there are a thousand reasons why things like this happen but with the right team in place you have collaborators who plus up the project versus make it a different thing than what it was originally designed to be. And with so many scenes that pay homage to Wes Craven and a story that stayed close to the original, you'd think it would be considered a remake by everyone involved. But nope, for credit purposes, another writer got it classified as a sequel, which infuriates me even now. Why? Because it meant Wes Craven was not given story credit. For characters and a world he invented, for a plot twist akin to Psycho that was his idea, you don't realize Nancy is the heroine for the first act. I petitioned to have him included and lost. All of this is a really long-winded way of saying, yes, this should be remade. I'm not advocating my script from back then, but just have it made by people who have a love and expertise of not just Nightmare on Elm Street, but horror. There are some amazing voices today for it. So, um, and it goes on to say a little bit more, but basically the idea is, is if you hate that movie, I guess don't blame the writer because he's saying it's not his fault. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, not shocking that that team uh, was not necessarily, you know, the most precious about the heritage that they were dealing with. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily a hot take. Yeah, I mean, and that does happen quite a bit, you know, um, you know, so many times. Well, the um, the guys, and I can't remember their names, but uh, the Freddy versus Jason guys oh, yeah. uh, who wrote the script for that, you know, were very, very outspoken about the fact that they didn't have that whole Jason hates water thing in their script. That was not a thing. Yeah. And um, <laughs> not since Godzilla versus King Kong <laughs> has somebody pulled such a dumb thing out of their ass. Like. With, with Godzilla and King Kong, it was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> King Kong uh, loves electricity, but Godzilla <laughs> hates it. And it's like, the fuck are you talking bad. about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that sounds crazy. Of course not. And, yeah, and it's likewise, like, you know, Jason's afraid of water. Like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, and they say yeah. it, it's it's you know wasn't them, and um, <laughs> I, and I, I I believe that because they are actual big fans of of the series. And I don't think they would have done that. But you know what's funny is I actually was watching a a YouTube channel the other day that was talking about uh, Jason as a character, and they were one of the things they said one of his attributes was that he was afraid of water and i'm like shut the fuck up that is not a thing it happened in one movie (laughs) one and that was wrong like it's not 
you know, do not do not make that one of his attributes. Do not do it. <laughs> like, cause that makes no sense. It just yeah, doesn't it's contradicted by every other movie in the fucking franchise. Every other movie where he okay, like in the end of part six, he's checked whoa, chained to the bottom of the lake. Well, uh, okay. But he also spends a whole lot of time, you know, in and around I mean, you'd think if he was that terrified of water, he'd just move somewhere else. Yeah, you know, and he regularly <laughs> walks into the lake. He does. And uh, he doesn't have a choice but to be drawn to the lake. He's doomed to it. Right. He's intrinsically tied to it. I get that he would have a fear of water after, like, drowning. I had a fear of water after nearly drowning. But, yeah. But you get back on that on that horse. But but you just don't, all of us, you don't, yeah. The contradictory way after, like, what the fuck? It's where did it come from? Where where is your you haven't thrown in any logic before to establish any of it? No, and I understand where they're like like they're like, okay, so Freddie would hate fire because he was burned to death. And so Jason was since he drowned, he would hate water. And fire and water are opposites. Like I you know, I get yeah. what you're trying to do there. Like I That's what I'm saying. I'm like yeah, very are clever, right? But, but, <laughs> there's a big but there. <laughs> yeah, there is a big but there. You know, a big but is that that has never been a thing. And Jason's not a pussy about stuff like that. Like, uh, stop. And I'm not saying Freddie is either. Like, he, I've never known, Freddie lives in a goddamn boiler room. So, yeah. Yeah. surrounded by flames fire. all the time. <laughs> Thank you. Know, you it's not true for him either. So, just stop. It's just bad writing. <laughs> It's just Thank terrible you. goddamn writing. That is exactly what it is. Oh, God. But anyway, um, not their fault. So I guess a lot of things in the remake were not his fault. Uh, I although, you know, we, we all know how I feel about that. I enjoy the remake, so uh, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I've given over myself to the idea that they're going to remake everything. So, right. But I, I kind of agree with that sentiment of, yeah, they're going to eventually remake Nightmare on Elm Street. So... Yeah, why not give give to you know the one of the Flanagans in the of the world or or whomever you know uh, one of the the new crop of filmmakers give it to a Jordan Peele or uh, you know that that, that dude cool. from The Witch or whoever. Yeah. yeah. Well, he is um, doing my Nosferatu remake, which I'm very excited about. Oh, uh, Robert yeah. Robert Eggers is. Yeah, I, I actually have heard recently that. Um, that new line is talking about going forward with the with the nightmare remake again pretty soon. And it just I don't know. I like I don't care and I'll probably I'll see it because like I pretty much see everything. But it just it kind of weirds me out that you're just going to remake a movie and then you know what we'll just remake it again. And then we're going to remake it again. And then we're going to remake it again. Like at this point I just would be happy with sequels to these movies. Like I don't really see the point in just starting all over every time. Anyway, there's that and that is uh that's the news, y'all. All right. Which means it's time for uh Ask DTP. Hey, I have questions. Yay. Uh, yay. Uh mm-hmm. okay. So, questiones. Question number 1. Uh what are the high points of doing this show, Court Psyops? Uh, asks and he also asks we'll just combine these what are the high points and best parts and i think that's kind of the same thing right the high points yeah. are the best parts i mean the high points are at the beginning of the show am i right and then the rest <laughs> are kind of coming down um but uh 
Um, I actually, I, you know, my favorite segment, I think, is this one. I think SDTP has always been the thing I enjoy the most because it it feels like a, a, a conversation with the audience to some degree, which I really like. And yeah. also, it is incredibly silly. Yes. And I think it we, we tried it a couple times and it didn't quite catch on the first couple times we tried. And we gave it a valiant effort and it just didn't quite click. And then like some at some point it finally asked ETP finally clicked with people and it took off and it was like fucking great. Finally, because it was like this was what I was hoping for is ridiculous nonsense. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that I enjoy this part of the show and I also enjoy the, you know, the what have you been watching part of yeah. the show where, you know, we just get that is my opportunity to hear what if someone else has seen something that I haven't seen yet and get their opinion because these are people whose opinions I trust. So yeah. that's always a good opportunity. I personally enjoy doing the news just because it's it's goofy and fun. I, I have a person. I have a good time with it stumbling over shit yeah and what's interesting is that i feel like over the years the actual review portion of the show has been what was that did you guys hear that no what are you hearing there was like a boop boop in my ears it was weird i thought it was like a skype thing that's you okay Or the aliens have implanted something in your head. Or the government. I don't know who. Could be on my back. I did watch the Puppet Masters last night. Mm. Um, Anyway, uh, the the actual film review portion of the show has gotten shorter and shorter. (laughs) And the the other portions of the show have gotten very long. Like earlier, Brian came in and he's like, are you close to done? And I said, no. (laughs) He's like, oh. And I'm like, well, don't worry. (laughs) Once we get to the film part of it, (laughs) that'll be really quick. Yeah, because in comparison to the other portions of it, where we're just bullshitting it, you know, it. I still think we do. You know, we get into the films, but I personally have more fun with the parts where we get to bullshit. Yeah, definitely. All right, is that everyone? Has everyone weighed in sufficiently? Yeah, I think so. All right. I don't know that Vanessa said anything. Did you say? No, I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I totally thought you had. Apparently, I don't count. That's. God um, damn it, David. <laughs> it's okay. He's not used to me being here. It's all right. Yeah, well, I, and, well, I have noticed that every time you speak, he's like, what? what? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> also, I turned coat real fast there, too. I, just for the record, I, I have no allegiance to anyone. <laughs> I think it's... that's well known. <laughs> <laughs> that has been established. Mercenary motherfucker. Uh, I'll, uh, I'm a real like rainy day fan for sure. <laughs> but no, legitimately, I don't have much to actually add to that. I was just, I was just going to say, I do like that there is a balance between the 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 news and the SDP, you know, DTP, like kind of chatter and bullshit with the actual legit you know legitimate movie reviews yeah you, you know you do have and and it's probably better <laughs> that the movie reviews have gotten shorter yes it's true they have but um because otherwise every episode would be five hours long right. yeah that's true right yeah but i don't think it they're lacking well you know it's i know that a lot of it like if we if we were still doing this show on a weekly basis Mm-hmm. the the bullshit would not go as long oh, as it no, does. Of course, you know, yeah. of course it is not. it is completely attributed to the fact that we don't talk to each other all that often and when we right. do right. we're just like Bleh! 
Right. Um, exactly. Right. Just so turns like, into know. a party. Like it's yeah. a it's a bonfire at that point. Yeah. Just everybody brings their wine coolers. We we get some pellets from the grocery store and uh we play some sugar ray and get drunk. <laughs> um maybe you do, but <laughs> Damn. You don't want to come to my sugar ray bonfire? Can I wear I'll shirt? come to it, but do I have to listen to the music? <laughs> no. Abraham asks, <laughs> since the dark universe is in the hands of Blumhouse now, who would you like to see direct and star in their films? For myself, I'd like to see, uh, this is Abraham, not myself, uh, William Fickner stars the Invisible Man, and I'd want David Robert Mitchell to direct. John Carpenter to re- direct Creature from the Black Lagoon, and Clive Barker to direct The Mummy, in which he, th- all right, this is not Abraham, this is me, in which that mummy is doing all kinds of fucking. <laughs> um, <laughs> Didn't Anne Rice write that book? Yeah. Ramses, was that the? Yeah, Ramses the Damned or something. Yeah, that was part of that series. Where it, it's a mummy, what fucks? Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> no, The Mummy was the first one. Yeah. <laughs> that one was for you, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I This is actually a really solid you. list. Uh, William Fickner as the Invisible Man with David Robert Mitchell directing sounds fucking rad. Uh, I would watch that in a heartbeat. Uh, I could be on board with that. Um, Honestly, I think I would love to see Carpenter do the Invisible Man. All right, now I know he's already done memoirs and of Invisible Man, and that has nothing to do with well, what I'm saying here. But I right. feel like of all of the Universal monsters, the Invisible Man is the one that feels more west, more like a Western character. I mean, like he's just he's you know uh, untamable. He's crazy, and that's what Carpenter I think does best. So. I feel like that would be a really fun thing. We get Guillermo del Toro to come back and do Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, and now well, you got a fish man that fucks that. too. Well, that's what he wanted. You get to a do, mummy that he... fucks, a fish man that fucks, <laughs> and then we get the Invisible Man. We just Hollow Man to it, and then you've got fucking all three films. It's just one big monster orgy. Uh, well, yeah. Where's I the wolf be down. Man? Where's the Wolfman? Wolf he's fucking. Is, he's just yeah. hairy. <laughs> Wolfman's like uh, he's two steps ahead of everybody. He he's, does it doggy style. Right. <laughs> it's like that scene from uh, Coppola's Dracula. You know. Yes. Yeah, oh exactly. my god, I love that scene. I just watched that movie a couple weeks ago. <laughs> of course you do. Everybody does. That will fucking hurt. That's <laughs> so one of those things where you're like, they shouldn't be able to show that in a movie, right? <laughs> well, it's not like just Franco and... Well, never mind. <laughs> I won't go down that road right now. All right, all right. But, Probably for the best. So... We've we've got a legitimate question here and nobody's answering it. Uh, uh, all right, who who do you want to see in direct and star in? Let's just do Invisible Man. Qu- uh, aside from William Fickner, who would be great? Who is your Invisible Man, David? Uh, Wrong, Jamie. I don't know. <laughs> I want what's his name. Uh, I can't think of his name, but the guy he's got a really distinctive voice. And I Wrong, think that that's Vanessa. <laughs> no, Michael. Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker would be an great uh, Invisible Man. Mine He's is got a great voice. Guy from voice. What's his name? What's uh, that? Michael Fassbender. Yes. Is yes. that who is in it? Okay. 
Mine okay. is uh, I I think John Hamm would be interesting. Okay, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, all right, David, back to you. Uh, Matt Nicholson would be interesting, I think. Oh yeah, sure. And uh, who's directing this movie? Oh fuck, Carpenter. We got a Carpenter. This is the one where I go Del Toro. I think he would make a gothic mad scientist movie that I would want to watch. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a great... Well, then yeah. why not save that for, like, Bride of Frankenstein, then? Because we're not doing Bride of Frankenstein. We're just going to do these three. Because Bride oh. of Frankenstein is too busy fucking in her own movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, uh, David, who should direct? Uh, uh, I don't know. Clive Barker. Uh, Jamie. No, I mean Del Toro. It would would have right. always been my choice for that. Sure, so. yeah, yeah, a, a sexy one. Sure, Vanessa. <laughs> no, I think I'd like to see like uh, maybe like Park Chan Wook. Uh, oh, that Ooh. would be a nice choice. I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Mike Doherty. I think would do a, a really good. Oh, oh okay. I was about okay. to switch to Flanagan, but Doherty, that's good. That's really yeah. good, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. all right, so who's directing the remake of The Mummy that is not a Tom Cruise movie? <laughs> Clive, Bar- Clive Barker is is Abraham's fucking mummy. That's a good one. That <laughs> yeah. is an awfully good one. It is. That is, that is really I, good. I could be up for that. Comedy mm-hmm. answered uh, Dario Argento. And, oh, and yeah, how would he direct Dracula it? Dracula film was so successful. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Can we get a, a little <laughs> taste of him on set there, David? Oh, shit. Please. You know what? Oh. I kind of think somebody like Robert Eggers could do a really cool job with something like The Mummy and bring it back to being dark and just give it a really old classic feel. I I think that'd be cool. No, see, we need less advantages on uh, Asia. We just see uh, more nudity because then there's The Mummy shuffling and and they go blah, blah. <laughs> uh, nice. I don't know why Dario thinks every monster goes like that. That's just how. That's all. That's every yeah. monster. Sure. <laughs> sure. Dario Tito's Frankenstein. Oh, he's a monster. He walks in in. Oh, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> the electricity goes zap, and he goes. Blah, blah. <laughs> there you go. All right. How so did she never name check her own father in the Me Too thing. <laughs> yeah. Well. Killed my mother over and over again on screen. Um, I'm, Complicated family issues. Yeah, my, yeah. There's that's why he's not implicated. It's, it's like you don't yeah. want to scratch at that at all. Uh, so mine would be uh, you lure Cronenberg back to horror with mm. you get to remake the Mummy in whatever way you choose. Here's five million dollars. Bring us the movie when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I would love I would give my firstborn child which I will never have, but I would totally give it if I did to get Cronenberg back into horror. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, he's getting up there and I'm afraid he's he's never going to like fully come back, which is yeah. fine because he does amazing movies and I'm yeah, whatever but... wh- whatever he wants to do, I'm there for, but uh, you know, it'd be nice if just one more time, if he'd be like, you know, I've been thinking about it quite a lot, and I've decided I'm gonna do a sequel to The Fly called The Fly Two, because fuck that other movie. Thank you. <laughs> yes, Lord. Oh, by the way, you know they're remaking The Fly. Oh, sure. Again. Yeah. yeah. Again. Yeah. And this, I don't see the point of that when I really don't. This time, but... Mel Brooks is directing. <laughs> <laughs> The first time I was producer, I said, this time I'm behind the glens. <laughs> it's got to be twice as gory, but three times as funny. 
Jesus Christ. <sighs> All right. Court Psyops asks, is there a torch? Uh, to whom is it being passed? Uh, is there, uh, uh, David, this is probably your question. Is there a devour the podcast torch? If so, who gets it? Um, and is it, it doesn't have to be one of us. It could be anybody. Yeah, I know. I honestly, I feel like the shows that have spoken up and have said, Hey, like devour was an inspiration and kind of got me into being a podcaster. Like those are the people carrying the devour torch. It's, it's not, it's not any one of us. It's all of the audience. You know what I mean? Like, they're the ones who have been with us for seven fucking years through all of the, the shit. They're the ones carrying the torch now. It's up to them. We've done we, we've done the work. If you guys go out there and make your own shows or your whatever the fuck you want to do, do that. Be yeah. awesome. It's your thing. Do what you want to do is David's answer. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you who to sock it to. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to say that. Oh, my God. Well done. Xavier uh, says, why are white people in love with Danny Trey all of a sudden? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I've always had love for him, but he was he always was a Latino icon up until the past couple of years. Now everyone seems to be his number one fan, ha ha. Xavier, first of all, go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> I've been on the Danny Trejo train for a long Since, time. Yeah, yeah. I'm not me some too. white guy come lately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, Have you come lately, white guy? Um, <laughs> it's relative, I suppose. Maybe it's the marketing of his taco joint. You know, oh. I mean, this calendar I month. Realize yes. there was any... Is that what you're talking about? I don't get it. I honestly uh, didn't realize there was any Trejo buzz uh, currently. Yeah I, I, yeah, I mean, I know he's popular on social media. Like, he's active, but I don't know. Joke answer is white people steal everything. What do you expect? Right, right. Yeah. God, God forbid he was in a funk band. We would have right? taken all his li right? his best licks already. Uh, poor guy. All right. So Andrew Huff asks, uh, what will we always cherish about Devour the Podcast? Um, not to be overly sarcastic, I would say, uh, and I don't mean this sarcastic at all, but it's going to sound that way. Um, it's it's honestly the friends that you make along the way. It is, uh, it, it is you know, like all the stuff I do with Duncan spun off from this. And, right. you know, like uh, having a second show I did with Jamie, you know, like all those things are like, you know, that that's the stuff that ultimately matters. It's all about the, the relationships you have and whatnot. So uh, that's the thing I'll cherish. Yeah, for sure. I have met so many people throughout the years of doing Devour that are that are still a huge part of my life. And, uh, you know, people like Iris for one. I mean, she mm -hmm. was there from practically the beginning and uh, it, that is you know, relationships like that are ones that I will always treasure. Andrew is one. Yeah. And now look what he's doing. You know, mm -hmm. I'm so proud of him. And Duncan, I, I, it's so many, so, so, so many Abraham. Oh my God. He is everywhere. He is, <laughs> he is, he is so phenomenal and that he listens to every, I mean, I, and I could go on name checking people, but then, you know, the, you run the risk of always leaving somebody out when you yeah. do that. And that's horrible. But everyone out there whom I've ever had contact with because of the show, you know who you are, you know, if you've ever talked to me and if it was, you know, if there were no lawsuits pending after, <laughs> And as long as there weren't, then it was a positive thing. And <laughs> it's something that I will always cherish. That being said, there were some. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, plus I got Brian. That's yeah. Thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, just that thing. See, yeah. <laughs> that. Seems like just a that. big deal. Okay. 
All right. Jamie, somehow, fucking Jamie's the only one who gets laid on this show or through the through this show. God damn it. This is bullshit. Not let's just laid, just, got married. Right. Nailed let's, it down on this. Let's, 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 <laughs> let's disregard that I was in a relationship for the majority of my time on the show. But not because of the show. No. No, no. I was already in the relationship. I was like, God damn, I was... Devara started in 2012. Seven years in? Four years? How long were you in? I was about four years in at that point with her. Yeah. Yeah. I was 26, 27, 26, 27, something like that. A long goddamn time ago. Um, yeah, I think, honestly, the thing I'm going to cherish most is, like, the just the memories I have of doing the show. Hell, I've got the fucking archive drive with, I assume, every episode. I have not verified that um fingers crossed it's everything that i know of um i know there's a couple things missing unfortunately but um so i mean i have the actual like the work that was done but yeah in the memories the 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 dumb jokes that we made i there's i there's times when i'll there's just like like fuck this movie is still a thing that i say regularly and it just makes me chuckle and i it makes me so happy when i hear other people say it and not just like people i know and not just like my friends but like like I hear it on podcasts, and like ah, it's right, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how about uh, one thing that always tickles me is when people use the you're like we use the the old Netflix ratings, and I'm like, hmm, you know, um, Duncan is one who does that, but yeah. I mean that's what we did that. Yeah, you know, uh, I'd never known anyone else do that before we did that, and to me it was just because me I and that was a thing because I can't stand arbitrary number ratings. Yeah. I hate them. And yeah. so I figured the Netflix ratings make the most sense, you yeah. know, but I like to hear other shows do that because to me that makes the most sense, you yeah. know, because I can't stand the arbitrary bullshit number ratings. I just hate it because it just yeah. it means nothing. Here's a question. I have a question. Sure. What if a couple of years down the road, one of the bits that we've done surfaces and you are called on to make a public apology <laughs> for making fun of the deaf <laughs> or making fun of stroke victims <laughs> oh my god or, now, I, or do you down syndrome yeah do you do it i say no or dario or does dario, dario himself come to you and say i don't say blah blah i don't say I, i'm a very offended blah, blah, blah. Maybe a whore comes up to you and says, My blood kills no one. But I say no. And I've always I've always said this. I I no, I don't apologize for anything I said in the past. Uh but I'm just curious, like what if somebody really just got listened after several years and they're like, you know what? I'm offended. <laughs> Do you care? Uh, I mean, I don't think anything that we said on the show... That means nothing. A lot of things that people are offended about are not offended. No, I... There's stuff that was said if you took it out of context and was just, like, the clip of, like, with one of us saying something, like, offensive. Like, yeah, sure. You'd be like, oh, that's offensive. Like, well, yeah, because you just took, you know, this five seconds of us saying something, you know context matters and I, I feel like most of the time any time we said anything that you could construe as offensive was usually within the context of a joke and it was very obviously a joke you know we oh, we agree. made some very dark joke but it was very obviously a joke um, yeah and if and, you don't get you know. that if you don't get that then you haven't been listening as yeah as, as, and, as, and i mean know, I, you I did. you don't get us yeah, I, I did think about that. I was like, oh, like, would I, you know, I thought back to like when we were doing the, the Corky bit back in 2013, 14, whatever it was. And I was like, okay, that's still really funny. I, yeah, it's not really, it's not nice. 
but it was pretty goddamn funny. So, you know, do I stand by it? Yeah, I do. It's kind of shitty. If And if somebody says, calls me on it, yeah, I'd say, yeah, you're right. It was shitty, but I thought it was pretty goddamn funny at the time. And, you know. I don't know. I still think it's pretty funny now. Oh, yeah. Like uh, I said, if, if someone were to come to me and be like, yo, this, like, I don't, in an expl- you know, be like, hey, I don't like this. I'm like, okay, you know. Do you know what, the reason I asked this is, do you know what <laughs> someone threw in my face recently? Oh, God. Um, And it wasn't necessarily, they weren't necessarily pissed about it, but they did, they did kind of throw it at me, was the Mexicans on a roof thing. <laughs> when I was, and I was like, you know. You gotta listen to the like, like yeah. That, that there's that's a whole not bit. something I. First of all, that was not something I said. I right. was quoting. I was quoting something that someone else said. Exactly. You know, and I was calling out the fact of, that she was incredibly racist when she said it, and that's you know. But it was funny also. You know, yes. the fact that she said it. I'm like, yeah, that's not something I would say. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting that all these years later, someone came across that and they're like. They just pretty much threw it at me. And I guess it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, hey, bitch, I heard you say this kind of thing. It was a, they threw it at me as in, I guess, to see what my reaction would be. Like, you know, hey, I just heard this. And I was like, yeah, that's a funny story. You know, because it was, it was a fucking funny story. There there was, yeah, there was a whole context of it being a story being told. But that made me think about, and that was very recently. And that (laughs) made me think about all the, you know, the things that keep popping up here and there that people have done in the past. And I was just curious because like with this person, I was like, yeah, that was really funny. And I, it still is very funny and I stand by it. I'm not going to apologize for it because there's nothing to apologize for, but it, I just think. Uh, it just made me curious. Like, what yeah, if, like, you know, what are your things were to come back? What nothing I can think of. And nothing I would have said that I can think of over the years. And granted, I don't remember half the shit I said a week after I finished an episode. I don't either. That's, that's You know what I mean? So, like, if somebody wanted to go through and go, oh, you know, you said this in this episode. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe I, I did. did. What? I don't know. That th- yeah, that was what seven years ago. Okay, that I'm a different person now. I was a very different person then. What do you want? Is there more? Yeah, no, you know. So yeah, I'm not super concerned about that. If somebody wants to say something, they can come to me and we can talk about it. But honestly, I don't remember anything that outrageous being said. So <clears throat> I, on the other hand, will issue a blanket apology. You probably for should. Everything I've said and will say in the future. Uh, I tend to talk by the seat of my pants <laughs> that will not stop. So, yeah. and that's what I love about you. Uh, that's uh, and I don't want that to ever stop. Right. Neither and, of you, neither of you. And in fairness, I would argue that my, uh, my impression of the incredible Hulk, AKA Lou Ferrigno <laughs> comes from a place of sincere love because it I does. love Ferrigno. Yeah, yeah. It does, and, and like we said, anyone who would be offended by it won't ever hear it. So, <laughs> also, let's face it, that's how the guy fucking talks. <laughs> I don't True do story. the story. Right. Story. I, like, I'm not, I'm not doing the voice because I'm trying to humiliate the guy or nothing. Who gives, like, Lou Ferrigno could give less of a shit about me, and rightfully so. He's Lou Ferrigno. He's <laughs> awesome. Yes, he is. But I'm sure I've said a number of other things that were awful. <laughs> yes. You know, here, like, here's my metric. Like, if somebody, I don't know, from, say, the Lou Ferrigno community 
reached out to me and was like, hey, man, Lou Ferrigno heard that, and he thought it sucked, and it, it hurt his feelings. I would never in my life do it again. On the well, other hand... First of all, you'd call him a goddamn liar. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, right. Bullshit, he heard it. Uh, my friends explained to me that you have been saying some very hurtful things. Not necessarily what you're saying, but the way you are saying it has been very hurtful. So pretty much yeah. knock it off. I think it's the, the lesson here. But also, you know, thanks for keeping me relevant. Hashtag Ferrigno. <laughs> God, if that impression keeps him relevant. <laughs> <laughs> no that thing is bad publicity <laughs> that, that one my agent that i mean he write it down and i read it and it was like that's a good thing i wish i could hear it because i bet it sounds good too <laughs> do we have more questions <laughs> oh yeah uh actually do. i didn't get to answer but... oh shit god damn it david <laughs> I know, I'm the fucking worst. <laughs> the patriarchy, Vanessa. Bo. Yes. He, w- he was like this, even when it was just the two of us at BD. I know. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. It was way better with him. It was he just did a whole. He did a whole show talking about a whole book, and then he gets to the end, and he's like, uh, so I guess that's it. She's like, but wait, I read the book, too. <laughs> <laughs> you made me read this piece of shit. No, um... <laughs> I um, read that Five Nights at Freddy's bullshit. I'm gonna talk about it. Damn it! The fact that I'm still friends with you is amazing. Anyway, no. What I was I wanted to add to this question mm-hmm. because what Bo brought up to begin with uh, the fact of the community that came out of the show, and I'm actually part of that community. Oh. That as a listener, I mean, and. That's, I mean, I ended up, you know, David and I became friends and he approached me about, you know, starting VD Clinic, which I had actually already been thinking of something, but he approached me and then that, you know, that wouldn't have maybe happened, you know, if it hadn't been for you guys. And then eventually me coming here, you guys asking me when David uh, put in his retirement, you know, it's community is a big thing. And it is a much larger thing sometimes than we realize. That's all I wanted to add. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Yay. Aww. Aww. All right. <laughs> Next one question. La- yeah. One last question. <laughs> uh, this is at the final SDTP question. Will uh, be from John Rhodes, fittingly, who asks, hey, wh- what's been your favorite film thus far this year? Hmm. Right? Little little curveball. Uh, step away from, from the emotional maudlin questions. Uh, just a good old fashioned movie question. Or just a narcissistic talking about myself. Um, there was something I I said just the other day. I was like, you know what? This was a thing that we saw, and I completely forgot about it. <laughs> and we actually saw it in the theater. Um, and now I don't remember what it was again. <laughs> Dead Ant. That was really fun. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that pop up a couple of times. Yeah, I, I that was a really fun it. movie. Yeah, I'm kind of in the boat where Captain Marvel's probably the best thing I've seen this year, and I'm not crazy about Captain Marvel, but also at the, like this is the point of the year where it's like we're over that hump of January, February where the right. the theater or the studios just dump all their bullshit 
of like, all right, well, this is no, this doesn't fit summer or fall prestige films. Here's a yeah. bunch of garbage. Yeah. And so we're past that now. And, you know, again, Us is about to open up. Pet Cemetery is about to open up. That new Avengers mo- a movie is around the corner. Uh, what else am I leaving out? Uh, the first trailer for the new Tarantino flick just dropped. So, I mean, good shit is on the way, but mine is, yeah, yeah mine's probably still Captain Marvel. It was all right. It's kind of fun. Hmm. I actually, I know I've seen several movies in the theater and I cannot, but like me, other than Glass, I can't think of what they were. Glass? Who gives a shit about Glass? Sorry, that's my diehard movie <laughs> impression for the night. I really haven't seen tons of new movies this year. Yeah, same. And I mean, I've actually seen only two in the theater this year, but probably my favorite <laughs> would be the favorite. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That your ghost Latimos movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, it, you know what I'm thinking of is is the, the Prodigy. We did see that. Oh my Oh, well, I then I saw three movies. I forgot I saw that piece of shit. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I didn't think it was that bad, but I just oh. think it was kind of mediocre. But oh, I would say oh my probably God. my favorite new film is so far has been Dead Ant, just because that's really super fun. Well, I saw Happy Death Day too in the oh, theater. Oh shit! I saw that too. Damn it! The, and I got and I food poisoning hit me in the middle of the movie or near the end of the movie. Yeah, that was fun. So I didn't really enjoy the movie. <laughs> Well, I, I did really enjoy it. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I don't really think it's a horror film. So that's probably why I wasn't thinking of it when I was talking about it. It's because I just, it, I don't really think it's a horror film. Just like I didn't think Glass was really a horror film. So, yeah. But those are the three movies I've seen so far this year. Glass in the theater. Glass, The Prodigy, and Happy Death Day 2, which... I did really love. I thought it was fun, but mm. oh, I gotta, I gotta change my answer. I gotta Jamie Jenkins this real quick. Um, okay. uh, what? Somebody needs to on the last one. Uh, right. My my movie is not going to be Captain Marvel. It is in fact Piercing, which came out this year. I realized, and that's a, a great movie. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Jackie. Okay. Uh, all right. So that is Ask DTP. Thanks for uh, sending in questions, everybody. Not just for tonight, hey. but in general. Thanks, yeah. everybody. Yeah, thanks for making this segment so much fun. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to discuss about Hotep. How could I have gone from the king of rock and roll to this old guy in a rest home? How could my plans have gone so wrong? You were an Elvis impersonator, remember? You fell off the stage and broke your hip? You were in a coma for quite a while. That's where they took a piece of my brain. No offense, but President Kennedy was a white man. That's how clever they are. They dyed me this color. That's what they brought us here for, to get us out of the way until we die. What we have here at Shady Rest 
is an Egyptian soul sucker of some sort. A mummy hiding out, feeding on the sleeping. Now it's time. Time to be a little of what I'd always fantasized being. A hero. That's not what your rest home can do for you. That's what you can do for your rest home. TCB, baby. Stop on you, baby. And we're back. Bo, give us a synopsis of Bubba Hotep. All right. Elvis Presley and a black JFK stay in a nursing home where nothing happens until a wayward Egyptian mummy comes and sucks out the old people's souls through their a-holes. The two decide to fight back. Directed by Don Coscarelli, written originally by Joe Lansdale in a short story, and adapted by Don Coscarelli. The film stars Bruce Campbell as Sebastian Huff slash Elvis Presley, Ossie Davis as uh, Jack, uh, Ella Joyce as the nurse, Heidi Marnhout as Callie, and Bob Ivey as Bubba Hotep. Also, Richie Bannister as a dude. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's the director? It, the administrator of the nursing okay, home. Yeah. yeah. So, Somebody yeah. talk about the movie. Isn't that your job as host? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, hey, look, I'll volunteer oh, direct on this one. the show. Oh, I, I unabashedly love Bubba Hotep. I think uh, Bubba Hotep is Don Coscarelli's best movie. I think it is Bruce Campbell's best performance. Um, I think it is a very silly movie on the surface that belies a very somber and very uh like strangely philosophical film at heart um i think that this story about two two people who could not possibly be who they claim they are and yet both of them believe it confronted with an enemy that is equally cast aside and old and forgotten uh, I think it's just a wonderful story. I think it, it works thematically in a, a, a lot of interesting ways. Um, I think it's very, like I said, it's very silly. The fact that a, a key part of the story hinges on the mummy scrawling like hieroglyphic graffiti in a bathroom stall. Yeah. I think is is very silly and wonderful. Bruce Campbell saying, let me throw, don't make me throw my stuff on you, man, is just one of those things that as soon as you see it in a movie, you're like, well, that's a thing that is a perfect good. Yeah, I just, I think it's wonderful. I think it's, I think it's very smart. I think it's very kind of strangely sad, but optimistic about death in a way that a lot of films don't have the courage to be, um, where the, the notion of death is not the enemy here the, it is it is dying without your your soul intact you know and i i think there's something kind of wonderful about that message i too love this film when it came out i reviewed it and immediately fell in love with it and uh, was more than happy to cover it 
to, to, for the opportunity to watch it before we get to the bees um, <laughs> for this show. And it was one of the ones I, I, when I brought it up to Brian, he's like, I will happily watch that with you, which doesn't always happen. Who would expect this at all? This is one of those things that you're just like, what? But then, okay. Uh, I love Ossie Davis in this film as well, too. He, uh, he cracks him up. I am used to him playing more... Mm, Distinguished guess, character. Yes, yes. I, I, right. Aussie Davis is my honestly my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. I, yes, I'm just I'm not used to him saying the stuff that he says in this movie, and I think it's brilliant. And him that, as a black JFK is yeah. <laughs> is a, an amazing thing. <laughs> of course, my ding dong would be chocolate since I'm died. Like <laughs> oh my god, that's great. It's just, it's great. Every one of their interactions is total perfection. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Also, I think it's worth noting that Lansdale is a big fan of this adaptation as well, which I think is very cool. And if you don't, if you haven't read a lot of Lansdale, if you're not like really familiar, do that. <laughs> because, sure. uh, man, the man is a hoot. And I can't, this is, it's phenomenal. It's, and I honestly hadn't seen it in many years. So when we went to watch, it for this today i was like oh my god yes like it just all came back to me a lot of it i remembered because some of this stuff is completely unforgettable and then but for the most part i just i was forgetting like how much i did love it and when we get the little things too like when we get the hieroglyphics and the translations thrown at us every time the mummy talks you know, like a eat a dog dick or what is this saying? They put it up dog dick. Yeah, they put it up visually like subtitles for a foreign language. Yeah, I it's know. phenomenal. And then it's um, I forget what he said. It was something like eat a dog dick. You something son of Anubis or so I don't know. It was yeah, it was funny. It was very funny. And I was just like, oh, that's hilarious. You know, I, yeah, this is. Uh, I don't know anyone who doesn't like this film. I've never heard anyone say they don't like it, and I don't. I, I wouldn't understand it if they did. That being said, there are still two people here that I don't know exactly how they feel, so I might find out. Who knows? One of them can say something. Go ahead, Vanessa. I. <laughs> I'm. Shut up, David. <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> Do you though? Maybe. Anyway, no, I, I'm very much on board with both Bo and Jamie and the fact that you have things going on on multiple levels and the cast, the cast is great. I mean, as Aussie Davis, I'm a huge fan of his. And for me, he is, he's the best thing about this movie because it is such a departure from what you've seen him do. And it just perfectly illustrates kind of the, the script that you're working with too, the way his character's written and just how it illustrates how preposterous this entire movie and concept is of, of a black, of, of a JFK who was dyed black. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe by Lyndon Johnson himself. Yes. Maybe by, and he's like, I love that the lines where he's like, the Lyndon Johnson, he thinks the mummy is Lyndon Johnson coming to assassinate him. And what it says about aging and how we treat people of a certain age and physical ability and mm -hmm. as it relates to and then death I, I i i find it a very interesting take on it and the pacing of the movie i think is what makes it work so much yeah uh, and 
part of it you can even you can see with I mean yes most of it is interactions between Bruce Campbell and Ossie Davis that we see but look at the actress that plays the nurse the main mm-hmm. nurse Ella Joyce I think is her name uh-huh. she she is priceless even with just her secondary role and just how she works through a scene too so you can see that it's everyone working together and yeah I mean it, it's not just that you have these two primary characters and two larger actor you know more esteemed or actors, you can't just say, oh, these actors are, these two actors are carrying the film. Because even the secondary characters have their moments where they shine as well. Well, I was about to bring up a, a, an exchange between Elvis and the nurse yeah. that I think is, <laughs> that I think is, is really important. Not the, the pecker scene. The, um, <laughs> no. But this, the scene where he confronts her about treating him like a child. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, to me, and I think about this all the time, particularly when I'm out at, like at the restaurant and I see people who bring in their elderly parents or whatever. Yeah. And I frequently see them treated like children. And I'm thinking, you know, at some point, like, it's so bizarre to me that these are the people who were completely capable of not only running households, or paying bills, taking care of you growing up, you know, shaping you into the person you are. And now you feel it necessary to talk to them as if they don't know anything, as if they haven't experienced more than you ever will. And I don't understand that mentality. Now, I know that sometimes when, like, say, if you have an an elderly relative who is suffering from dementia or or something as horrible as straight up Alzheimer's, like it's I get that. But when someone is completely that completely has their faculties and is exactly the same person mm-hmm. they were 20 years ago. They're just maybe a little bit shorter and a little more wrinkled. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. The mentality that people have that they then become the parent when it's not necessary. Right. You know, and it kind of ticks me off to be honest, because I'm like, you know, these people deserve respect. Well, and who's to say that just because, okay, maybe you did have a physical setback, you're completely incapable of doing anything and, you know, or you can't think clearly anymore and, right. you know, just you're automatically doubted so often and people don't believe you. Whatever power you had as a person, as an adult that you work to gain from childhood to becoming an adult is taken away from you. I don't know. I think it's partly because I've been different people at my office been co- having conversations about certain taking care of certain elderly family members lately. And so when I watched it, la- watched this last night, I really just kind of got me thinking on a, like really thinking about that aspect of the movie. Yeah. It, be- it, be- it became more somber, but there's definitely the so much comedy there to lift it up that it doesn't come completely weighted down and it's a good it's it's a balance that's what i'm saying with pacing too Mm -hmm. well and even that pecker scene that you're talking about with him and the nurse like superficially that scene is, is kind of funny and borderline gross where this nurse is very anemically going about the process of you know, soaping up her hand or with this cream or whatever and treating this sore on this old man's dick, which is 
horrifying, you know, like on both ends of it. And the fact that him getting an erection is this moment of celebration in the film is kind of to the movie's credit that it's not gross. It's this, in fact, this kind of affirmation of his own, like, virility in the purest sense of of being a living organism that still has some kind of vitality. And and even her reaction, like, to to your point about, like, you know, these minor characters, like, her kind Mm -hmm. of getting that grin and -hmm. just being like... Well, you rascal, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And and you see in her face like she has gone from treating this purely dismissively to treating him like a human being, and and right. even kind of flirting with him in a weird way. And it, it's it, just one of a number of these like really wonderful moments throughout the film. I think where it is so much about you know one man, one character. In this case, Elvis Presley. <laughs> you know who was right. swapped places with a uh uh you know an elvis lookalike elvis. right it, it's about him trying to find the dignity and meaning in his life while being treated like nothing you know as you were saying and it's i i find it to be as a surprisingly powerful film absolutely yeah i mean it really does make you think that I mean, how how many? I mean, so many people are shuffled off to these places just waiting for them to die, like his roommate in the beginning, whose daughter puts him there. And yeah. three years later, the only other time she comes to the place is when he's dead. And and she's like, "Leave me alone. I was busy." You know, and like I understand that. Like we have lives. I don't visit my. I haven't seen my mother since my wedding, and that's you know several years ago. But it's about the fact that she was so incredibly dismissive that his. You know, she was throwing away his purple heart, for God's sake. Yeah. You know, that yeah. actually made me cry. You know, he's like, well, he was pretty proud of that. So would you mind if I keep it? I'm like, oh, it's very sad. It's very sad that so many people are just stuck in a room and they're expected to just be in that room until they die. And yeah. a lot of them are still pretty vibrant. Yeah. a lot. They're not all at death's door. A exactly. lot of these people would love to go out and do things and go on vacation and travel and and <clears throat> go shopping. And they would love to be able to do that if only they had a way to go. Yep. So anyway, now I got all mushy. Yeah. And I, I really liked too when they, uh, when the old cowboy, the guy who's kind of losing his marbles and <laughs> thinks that. He he's a cowboy from the movies when he goes, but there's still this moment of respect of like he went out with his soul intact, like no no mummy sucked the soul out of his asshole, you know. <laughs> and it, but it, but the absurdity kind of undersells the the actual human emotion at play, which I think is what is so brilliant about the movie, and and why I say I think it's Coscarelli's best film, like. I love Phantasm as well, but this feels so much more like mature and and interesting and the characters are so much richer and well and even like you have like earlier in the movie you have the one woman who's getting up at night and getting into and stealing people's shit and <laughs> she's like eating stuff and like like sneaking things and she's just getting into all kinds of little mischief and she goes into like 
the woman with the iron lung and steals her glasses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and they have this moment before that they smile at each other and there's just like a little connection and you see whatever I mean they're creating trying to create these characters in this environment and she just steals the glasses and just walks off and you never see really like you barely see her again in the rest of the movie she's just in the background but you're kind of like it explains so much you know everything about that woman uh-huh. in that just a small amount of time because you know those kinds of people that they talk about in that kind of situation and there's like okay that's that person that kind of takes that on but it doesn't feel like it's just a cardboard cutout stereotype there's something about it that's done with it's partly filmed so it looks richer and you're you're taking in more yeah there is this kind of like southern golden hue to so much of it yeah it's in another thing i really like about it i think it looks really good and there you know there are some really iconic scenes that scene of uh, you know, Ossie Davis in the uh, the wheelchair and mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell in the walker turning the corner, like yeah. the hero <laughs> shot of them coming down the hall. It's like, that's so ridiculous, but it's so wonderful. And I can't believe like my heart is actually soaring right now as I'm watching this movie because it's so patently absurd. Well, and it's the little touches too that, you know, yeah. one of them is in a wheelchair and the other one has yeah. a walker. And it's so, yeah. it's... I don't know. I, I just, I really like that. I think it's, you could have had them both walking down the hall and you still, in the end, it would have gotten mm-hmm. the same impact from the characters. I guess, but that just adds another layer to them and drives home who they are and how old they are. And, and I just, I don't know. I think it's, it's really, really brilliant. Well, and then, of the course, fact... when, the, when the wheelchair comes into play at the end, that's fucking hilarious too. Sure. So. Well, in the fact of every detail of the set dressing of... Aussie Davis's JFK or his Jack, his room. Mm-hmm. It's it it's carpeted and everything. It looks like the the president, like John F. Kennedy's like room and bedroom in, from the White House. And it has all these different things, like mud shots of Oswald, and, you know, all everything, like Jack Ruby, all this like stuff, like all related to the Kennedy assassination and all these different things put up, and. It, it's all this very official type, just every little detail. And some of it, you're just kind of like, they focus on sure some of it, but then later on you realize, oh my God, there's, wait, they did even more that they didn't focus on earlier. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's subtle, but it's like, no, this guy has really, for whatever reason, like, you know, sometimes like you have a concussion or you go into a coma, you come out and you have amnesia, whatever. Say that's what happened to this guy, and he thinks that he's JFK. Sure, the family went along with it. Fine. I mean, like, but they let him live out this fantasy because it makes him happy. And he has enough money that the nursing home lets him carpet his room and be there by himself. <laughs> Mr. President. The woman who calls herself my niece. <laughs> I know. I know. I love it. I know. But it's, he's like, I went to the library and he's very official about everything. Like it's, there's no doubt that he is, he's JFK, you know, it's just, that's who he believes he is. So yes, that is who he is. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. And, and I like the moment where like Ossie Davis is like, you know, um, I, I never, I, I always thought you didn't like me and I need you to look me in the eye right now and tell me 
that you never knew Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> and you never knew Jack Ruby. And if you can look me in the face and tell me that, then I'll believe you because I know in my heart you're Elvis Presley. And, yeah. And it's exactly. It, it, and it's exactly. so silly, but it's touching. Right. Right. David, we we ignored you this time. So. <laughs> I, so I don't love this movie. I think it's fine. Like, I actually agree with everything that you guys have said about the movie. I think that the performances are fantastic. I think there's a lot of really good moments. It just doesn't really land for me. And I'm not sure why. Like, I saw it once probably right after it came out on DVD and I hated it and I never saw it again because I was like, well, that, that's something we never want to see again. And then I watched it this morning for the show and I was like, oh yeah, there's, there's, there's good parts to it. There's things I like about it, but I just, it just doesn't land for me. Like I, I can appreciate that it's a good movie and like there's aspects of it that I do enjoy, but I just, I don't know. I don't get the love for it. I mean, I understand the love for it. I just, it just doesn't work for me really. That's because you're too young. <laughs> Right. Well, I kind of feel the same I way about, about. I, I feel the same way about uh, Phantasm. Like I think Phantasm's cool, but it just at the same time it kind of doesn't land for me. Yeah, I I get that. I I find this movie to be a lot more just narratively satisfying. Oh yeah, it's got a good. Like I said, like like most of what like the I think the narrative is good. I think there's a lot more like you guys have dug into this movie way more than I ever thought about. But yeah, I do like all the little touches with the you know I did really like Kimosabi. And like, you know, the whole, like he went out with his soul. Like, yeah, that's cool. And like, there, like I said, I, I like most of the movie. Just, I don't know. I just sort of, I, I, I felt constantly at arm's length from it. And I don't really know why. And I went into it like, like being open, be like, yeah, I don't know. It's a new, I'd give it a fresh shot. But I just, I don't know. I just, maybe it's just Coscarelli. Cause I don't think I've, I've watched any of his movies that I've felt like really like great about. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of hit or miss with Coscarelli there. I don't like everything he's done. I don't care for John dies at the end. That one I did like, actually. So, um... Because I thought I was going to hate that one. And I kind of did for the first, like, ten minutes, and then it got actually fun. The, yeah, the character of the uh, the police officer that gets kind of swept up in it all and just decides, like, oh, shit, I should just burn all of this down. That'll solve this problem. I think that character is really wonderful. But we're not talking about John Dice at the end. No, we're not. Um... Yeah, I think Bruce Campbell's really good in this. Ossie Davis is fantastic. Like everything you guys have said about it is absolutely correct. I just I'm not particularly a fan of this movie. Hmm. Well, I guess that you know that is allowed. Oh, there had to be one. I knew there was one out there somewhere. I just hadn't come in contact with him yet. Yeah, I don't think it's bad <laughs> in, in by any stretch. I don't think it's bad. It's just it's just not a movie for me. It's too bad that you can't feel joy. Yeah. Well, exactly. I'm sorry you hate good things, David. Yeah. <laughs> That's. That's uh, it's really sad for you, is really the thing. <laughs> now I it, it's weird. I, I when I watch this movie, I kind of get a whiff of uh, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock, which oh, yeah. is another thing that I dearly love. And and so when I watch this, I'm like, oh yeah, this is just another artist, whether it's Joe Lansdale or Coscarelli or both in this case, just kind of turning over the the notion of mortality. And being like, yeah, what does it mean to die? And like, you know, the whole monologue that Elvis has in the movie about like, man, I can't believe I gave all that away, but maybe I did the right thing. And at the end of the day, it, even if like, would would I take the fame now if I could have it back? And more importantly, would it even make a difference? 
And I think to me, that's the crux of the whole film is, is him saying all of that fame and all of that stuff. None of that matters because at the end of the day, the, what you're left with is this moment of weighing your own life as you come to the end of it and, mm-hmm. and trying to decide for yourself what, what was meaningful about that. And it, yeah, I, I, you know, it, I find it to be incredibly interesting uh, as a as a film so all right Just, all right uh, ratings yeah let's say i was about to ask if anybody had anything else they wanted to say before we go to ratings no no i think we pretty much covered it uh how does uh how are we doing ratings on we love devour uh same thing just uh, okay. uh usual thing uh half stars allowed not quarter stars because we're not animals okay. right oh let me please this one last episode <laughs> <laughs> just please i'll allow it just for that, I won't use them. <laughs> yeah. She just wanted to know she could. Right. Yeah. It's a real um, jerk You never move. know, though. You never know, though. <laughs> the episode's not over. Yeah. That's what happens when uh, Executive Overall comes in. All right. Um, Jamie. Yes. I, hmm. This one, I, um, I would say five. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I do dearly love this film. Okay. Uh, Vanessa? I would say four and a half. Uh, because, I don't know, it's not it's not perfect, but because it, I don't know, I can't say I love it, but right. I think maybe, the, like, I, I, this is only the second time I watched it. So, and I enjoyed it more this time. I enjoyed it a lot the first time, but I enjoyed it more this time. I'm wondering how repeat viewings will affect that. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it's still, and like I said, you know, it, it, just thinking about it a different way now. But I really do think it's a, an interesting way to do kind of a mummy mm-hmm. take. And but and honestly, I'm not really into the mummy thing. Yeah, but. I realize I I don't give a shit about mummies really. I actually love mummies. I do. I wish it was something that people use more of. Uh, they're I think they're very Even- under. Despite, I mean, I, as interesting as I think Egyptian culture is, I think that just most mummy movies are stupid. Yeah. I mean, well, Shum- I don't, that's a thing. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I, but I wish they were used better and more often. Yeah, well, may, sure. And I, um, maybe do I it totally right. Agree with but that. this is definitely a great way to do it, though, as kind of bringing it into kind of a, a, a modern day Western in a way. And that's something I didn't even mention. Really, was the the makeup for the mummy? Yeah. I think was yeah. phenomenal. But yeah, I still don't. I just still don't, for whatever reason, love this movie. Okay. Uh, uh This one is a solid like four and a half for me. Okay. I I really really like it. Um, I feel like three and a half for me because, like I said, I there were parts of it that I liked, but just overall, it didn't really. It's just not a movie for me. But I still appreciate that it was well made and that there were actually there was stuff in it that i liked it's just the whole thing as a whole didn't really land for me but you know i mean most people who are gonna be hearing this have probably already seen it and are probably going what the fuck are you talking about but yeah it's fine it's so fine, you at least dude. liked it better than you did the first time oh yeah definitely so yeah. there's that yeah oh yeah i don't hate the movie now okay I good just, i'm just sort of like yep yeah, okay i've seen it again i'm an adult now meh it's just not my not just doesn't not my thing I, I totally get why everybody loves it, though. I get it now. It's just, it just doesn't work for me particularly. Anyway, so that's it for uh, Baba Hotep. 
We will be right back with Monster Squad. And now our feature presentation. when you have ghosts but who do you call when you have monsters we're the monster squad what's a squad it's like miami vice i think they're young and inexperienced naughty virgin they're a bit disorganized monsters are not real we don't know that sir two thousand year old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves but when strange things start happening in town... There's a monster in my closet. Ooh, look at that big, scary monster! What's happening? Do I have a werewolf? Silver bullet? They're the only ones ready to do battle. Something's out there that's killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's gonna do a thing about it but us. squad bo tell people what it's about the monster squad um this movie released in 1987 uh is synopsized a young group of monster fanatics attempt to save their hometown from count dracula and his monsters is directed by fred decker it is written by shane black and fred decker uh it is it stars andre gower as sean robbie kiger as patrick stephen mach as uh del uh, Sean's dad, Duncan Rieger as Count Dracula, Tom Noonan as Frankenstein's monster, Brent mm-hmm. Chatham as Horace, Ryan Lambert as Rudy, Ashley Bank as Phoebe, Michael Faustino as Eugene, Mary Ellen Trainer as Emily, and Leonard Leonardo Camino as the scary German guy. All right. And Jason Hervey as the schoolyard bully, as he played in so many movies of the 80s oh, yeah. and yeah. TV series. It's true. That was like his. He, that was his calling. It was his calling. Uh, all right. So I I picked this one because we needed a movie, and I wanted something that would be relatively easy to go out on, and something that I really like. And I've, I know I've talked about Monster Squad in the past, as far as it being something I have a, a lot of nostalgia for, um, because I saw it when I was probably like four or five, and this was like one of the first, you know horror movies that I could really kind of latch onto. With that having been said, I did watch it this time with more critical eye. And I still love the I still love the movie. I still think it's really fun and charming. Uh the rap song at the end of the, at the movie uh, at the end of the movie is real bad. That that was a mistake. They should not have done that. That was uh, uh, so of its time. It, like, yeah. I was going to say it wasn't it a really choice was. at the time. It, it was yeah. the 80s requirement. Yeah. 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 You need look just, no further than Dragnet for yeah, I just watched that a little while ago too. Late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Oh my god. Really bad. 
rap song about the movie as the closing. Oh, this rap was everywhere, everywhere. And it was um, a, a lot of really, really cringy white people rapping about everything back then. Yeah. Do me a favor, everyone. Do yourselves a favor. Go to YouTube and look up the rainforest rap and then thank <laughs> me later because it's fucking awesome. But that was a thing. That, yeah. Uh, of course. Of course. I mean, if the Super Bowl shuffle was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> We're not oh. here to cause no trouble. Okay. Anyway. So yeah, I think this movie's a lot of fun. The the Shane Black dialogue is very obvious and very fun and kind of hilarious coming out of children. And it's a Fred Decker movie, so it's you know, it's suitably scary for a kid's movie. And it is a kid's movie. I will be the first to admit that this is very much a kid's movie. But it's, you know, suitably scary for a, you know, younger audience and I think it's still fairly entertaining for adults. I know some of you probably, I think this may be your first time seeing it, so it's probably be very different. But yeah, I think it's great. I will give you a slight counterpoint. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is a bad movie at all. I don't I don't want to imply that. I, I This movie uh, came out a little, a little bit after I would have been the perfect age for it. Right. I mean, just barely. Just barely. We're not that but, much older than them. I mean, nah. like, okay, you're you're a year older than me, and I'm a year older than than they were. So, right. like, I guess, like, you were in the okay. So you were like what, fourteen? I mean, right. I'm sorry, fifteen or so. Yeah, so, I was okay. fourteen, yeah, I fifteen, see that. You, and you've started paying attention to tits at that point. So yeah, it's... he was too cool for <laughs> monsters. So that makes sense. Unless they were monster titties. So hearing. You know, Wolfman's got nards. It was like, I, I, yeah, I was a little too cool for that, probably. And so it just, I, like, I, I don't have the same nostalgia for it that a lot of people do. Although, right. I will say, I have watched this movie a bunch because being a single guy in, in my middle age, I date a fair amount of single mothers. And if I happen to be dating said single mother around Halloween, inevitably, I end up watching the Monster Quad with monster squad with their fucking kids anyway so i've seen this movie a bunch in weird circumstances which probably doesn't help things either but <laughs> but i do think it is a perfectly charming kids movie it, it's sort of like baby's first horror movie and i think yeah. it's even more appropriate than something like gremlins which has an even harsher kind of edge to it than yeah, does definitely. the monster squad but I yeah, every time I watch it, I, I find myself enjoying it just fine. It it's just, you know, as you were saying about Bubba Hotep, it's one of those things where like this movie isn't exactly for me, but mm -hmm. I can appreciate like uh, Tom Noonan is very good. Like there the, yeah. his relationship with the little girl is really well done. Fred, Fred Decker knows how to direct a movie and tell a story. Yeah. And the movie looks good. It has uh, a great kind of Peter Hyams gloss to it. And yeah, I think, you know, I think it's the monster squad is not my favorite thing in the world, but I think it is just not even just fine. That's too dismissive. I think it's good. I just don't lose my mind for it. No, I get that. Yeah. I think that that's actually a pretty good way of, uh, yeah. So I feel about Boba Hotep, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. understand where you're coming from. Uh, I don't know. Vanessa. Go to Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, the boss to of make me. sure he didn't forget you this time yeah um, <laughs> i appreciate it but go to jamie first okay fine <laughs> okay 
this movie, oh man, I can't even describe how much I love this movie. I saw this in the theater at the time. I was right in the middle of the throes of my Andre Gower crush, and I had it bad. For was Andre that a Gower. thing? It was for me. <laughs> it was okay. for me. I loved the shit out of him. I even had a photo of him from Teen Machine magazine that I kept in my Trapper Keeper. And this is, and it gets even worse. It, this is so sad. And I, I'm going to admit this right here because it was in, because I was, fuck it, I was like 13. I don't give a shit. I forged his signature on this photo and told people that I had an autographed picture. <laughs> What wow. else was he in? What what was he famous for? <laughs> yeah. He was famous for being on my wall. I don't know. He was in that. There was a, uh, what was that? There was a show about the president that was on TV around this, like the Oval or something. West Wing? No, <laughs> no. Way before that. Oh, it was it was a show about the president. It took place in the White House anyway, and he played the son. And I cannot remember what the name of the show was, but that was like his big thing at the time. And then he was in Fathers and Sons. No, that's a, hold on. I'm looking. What what does he have on? He was on all kinds of TV in the 80s. Yeah, he just popped up here and there, a little bit everywhere. He was in. Yeah, uh, I'm looking um, at his, his IMDb, and he, yeah, he's just like. Yeah, I mean, and if you read the teen magazines, that's where like you'd see him a lot. Like uh, he was all he was a big staple in those, and I did. He <laughs> was on an episode of My Two Dads, so that says it all. He was. Oh, on the show an... was actually called Mr. President. Oh, there you go. Yeah, two seasons, and he was on. Uh, he was on an episode of the Hogan Family, which he was. No, he was actually on. What well, says six episodes of Valerie? Well, same thing. He played one of the friends or something. And it made me, that almost made my head explode because I also, I was a member of the Jason Bateman fan club back then. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, um. <laughs> that's, that's what you got when you couldn't get into the Michael J. Fox fan club. No, they I was just automatically enrolled I you. <laughs> I was also a member of the Michael J. Fox fan club. How and I still have you. my letter. I have my letters somewhere. Dare you serve two masters like that? One <laughs> or the other, Jamie. <laughs> Pick I a have side. My official membership letters somewhere. But I was also a member of the John Saul fan club too, because I loved him. But he's a writer. So anyway. Anyway, this was a big deal for me. I loved him so much. And I, I remember seeing this in the theater, and I just got the biggest kick out of the fact that Dracula called this little girl a bitch. You know, everything about it, I loved. Well, we went back and watched this, uh, it's been probably six months or so ago, and I was like, wow, I forgot. Like, I didn't realize how quickly this movie moves. Yeah. I mean, it's only like 76, 80 minutes long, something like that. Like, it's very short, but, it, but it's as long as it needs to be. Like it doesn't, they don't try to draw it out. They don't try to, you know, it just, it comes in, it does its job and it gets the fuck out, which I think is also very good for a child's attention span. Take note, Disney, with your two hour fucking movies. What are you thinking? It's pretty much close to perfect for me. I just, I like with Fred Decker and Shane Black, I don't think you can get any better than that at the time. Obviously, I had no idea who the hell they were. And it wouldn't mean anything to me until years later. But now looking back on it now, I think it's totally, it's kind of perfect. And I've heard people in recent years say that they think this movie is too much for little kids. And to that, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, and I mean, Bo, you're exactly right when you're like, you know, this is like baby's first horror movie. It is. Yeah. 
You know, there is absolutely nothing wrong with children watching this movie. And if you think there is, then I, I did. I, we need to have a talk. But you I know, regularly I had my well, parents to take this off cable for me. So I watched I mean, it like like five or six. But see, to me, again, why I don't have children, I guess, is I don't think there. I mean, there's really not anything I wouldn't show my children because I right. watched everything growing up. Maybe martyrs or a serbian film i might hold back on but that's mainly because they wouldn't really get it um it's it's well i mean know, like there's nothing really know. super graphic in this i mean there's yeah not. There's they a blow up the language but you know what yeah. in the 80s that's that's what we had that's what yeah we did. yeah yeah pg-13 language for the mm -hmm. 80s which was like okay fine like in like the the minimal no. amounts well, of gore yeah it was pg-13 by this point yeah and like the gore the, there's some gore it's not like a lot and they do blow up the wolfman but it's very yeah, but I mean, come on. Yeah, what it's kind of cartoony. What kind of wusses are you trying to raise out there? No, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like the people, if, if, like, there's, like, it's not that bad. Like, no, it's not at all. And so I absolutely think that kids need to watch this film. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's. Plus, it has a respect for the classic monsters, which I adore. Yeah. I, I love the fact that we're doing some callbacks here to the classic Universal monsters. And that's where you need to start anyway in your in your horror Design. education. So it, I think this is a perfect segue for little kids to get started. If, uh, you know, whatever, like you don't want to show them Salem's Lot when they're four, which is me. But I, <laughs> and I love to I I. I Every night I laid awake with my neck covered because I was terrified of the Glick boys coming to my window. I thank my parents for that because they made me who I am. And I think that it's important that uh, and people out there who are listening to this show, you are horror fans or you wouldn't be listening to this show. So clearly you would l probably like to instill that in your children as well. Well, this is a good place to start. Why not? And it's fun and it's fast. And it's one of those things that I honestly, if I were a parent and you know how kids love to watch things over and over and over and over and over, mm -hmm. and, over and over and over again, I wouldn't care. I'd yeah. be like, yeah, please do. Unfortunately, when I was a nanny, Savannah's favorite thing at two was fucking Titanic. And I, if I had to hear about somebody would have died. Yeah. If I <laughs> would have found the body. If I had to hear about Jack and Rose one more goddamn time from this two year old, I was, I was like, no, but I then, I then introduced her to Jaws and Jurassic Park. And we changed that <laughs> because once she was introduced to Jaws and Jurassic Park, she did not give a fuck about Jack and Rose. <laughs> I'm just picturing a child saying like, paint me white girl, French girls. <laughs> it's just so wrong. It's so wrong. Yeah, it's real bad. Oh, shit. Ah, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I love it. I, I, I think you probably got that idea by now. But this yeah. is a huge part of me, my, my best friend and I. We saw it multiple times. At the time, we quoted it all the time. This was a this was a big deal. This was a big part of my of my life. Yeah. Vanessa. Well, this was a first time wash for me. Oh, oh. Wow. and so I have none of the nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not a first time watch movie for an adult. <laughs> it, it, it has some good things going for it, okay? But it's painfully a kids movie. Yeah. And if I'm going to introduce a child to horror, I'm going to go for those actual universal movies because that's how I was introduced to horror. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what my parents did to me. 
and I, you know, it, as long with, you know, other, you know, some other things, but sure, I'm going to go for that kind of thing. And because that's my nostalgia to some extent too, mm. but I, I, yeah, I couldn't completely get into it because it was so painfully eighties and not in a good way. And so you say that like it's a bad thing. Right? I hated the eighties. Oh my god. Oh my god, I could not wait for them to end. Right. Oh my god, I love the eighties so much. No, they were terrible. But... And I'm so glad that I fell victim to very few of the trends. I I'm, I was lucky. But I never had the big hair. But it's oh, still, man, I did. oh my God. Anyway, I, I just, yeah, I, I feel like there should have been, I would have enjoyed it more if I did have a nostalgia connection, mm-hmm. but, or if I were a child seeing this right for the first time now, even yeah in fair. the modern age, do you know, I just don't think that as an adult seeing it for the first time, it's going to necessarily be like, yeah, I really am like, I don't feel like I need to watch this again. I don't. I I mean, I kind of, I mean, it did have, it wasn't terrible though, but it just, I feel like you, yeah. No. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Like a little too much on the kids movie aspect and then nostalgia aspect. Yeah. It is very much a kids movie. And, um, yeah. and that, yeah, that, that very much jumped out to me when I watched it this time. And I was like, wow, this is, fuck, this is a kid's movie. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't think they Which try I mean, to hide that fact. No, and I, and I, that's, no. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing or anything. It's just that was something I hadn't really thought of. Or it hadn't really occurred to me particularly um, until I rewatched it this time. Uh, it's not, this is it's back not, when kids' movies mm-hmm. had teeth, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. that's true. And I, man, like The Gate... Well, I, I mean, I think about this movie the same I way I think about the Goonies from back then. You know, so, uh, but yeah, I absolutely understand where you're coming from, Vanessa. Like, if you don't really have the the, the built-in nostalgia for the movie, it's yeah. I could see it not being super great as an adult. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's just, it's not terrible yeah. though. It, no. You know, but it just kind of you know didn't yeah. land for me. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. There's there have been I've run into some eighties movies like that myself where I'm just like, yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. I don't understand why everybody loves this movie so goddamn much, but it's fine. Honestly, that's that has always been the Goonies for me. I get that. Although I, I like I the, like the Goonies, yeah. but I've never loved See, it. See, I I like the Goonies a lot. Like I loved it kind of at the time, but I still like it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. In a but lot. I'm not like crazy about it like some people. Yeah, no. Uh, it's got such a good song though. I mean, compared oh, to Monster is. Squad. That Cindy okay. Lauper join is fucking rad. I had that on forty-five. Goonies had, yeah. Goonies also had Spielberg. Okay, mm, Fred yeah. Decker yeah, couldn't yeah, afford yeah, yeah. Uh, couldn't afford Cindy Lauper. That's true. We got whoever did Monster Rap or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> the squad rap. I don't know. It was bad. But uh, you at least had some good effects. Yeah, will, did the monster to, design. Yeah, exactly. So it is. I mean, you know, if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. Then check it out. I would tell say. me you cried when the monster got sucked into the portal. Okay. Nope. What? Not at all. Oh. I'm. I know. I. I'm not a completely heartless bitch. I know this, but I didn't. It wasn't. Yeah. Again, maybe if I had the nostalgia aspect, or if I were a kid now. It doesn't but... take nostalgia to have a heart. <laughs> <laughs> I have a heart. Is my point, but it's just not about this. <laughs> 
you know it's it's funny that like i was as i was watching this i was thinking back to um it's like the making of the lost boys or something where joel schumacher was talking about how originally the lost boys script was supposed to be like they were going to be little kids and like the right. whole story the whole mm-hmm. like could be a kid's movie and he made them adults and i was like you know like there's points in this movie where it's kind of like they like if they had all been teenagers it would still have worked more or less but it were I kind of like that it is kids. And then, then like, you know, you've got the adult stuff, which is very much like here. I'm trying to throw the parents a bone, have some adult uh, adults doing adult things. Yeah. Well, Schumacher couldn't be lusting after Alex Winter in a half shirt if he didn't if he had made them all children. Fair <laughs> like... enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh. Uh, oh, bless him. I do love him. Yep. Yeah. Eh, I still, you know, it's probably better than Lost Boys. Shut your mouth. <laughs> All right. Does yes. anybody else have anything else they'd like to say about Monster Squad? Um, no. No, I think that's it. Okay. All right. That was Monster Squad. Uh, ratings. Uh, how are you guys doing ratings now for features? Uh, same. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I haven't listened to the show in a while because you guys keep doing new shit that I haven't seen yet. <laughs> Fuckers. Yeah. Um, keep it on the cutting edge, son. Ow. Excuses. Uh, all right. Uh, Vanessa, go ahead and uh, give me your rating. Since I'm going to be the low person, I I give it a, uh, I give it a three. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Bo. Uh, I'm going to give it a three and a half. I think it is uh, great for kids, maybe not for grownups. Okay. Jamie? I'm, this is a solid straight up five for me. I don't think that's any surprise. I think it's great for kids. I think it's great for anyone with a soul. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I have a heart. I just don't have a soul. Is that maybe? Uh... It? It's been sucked out of my asshole, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what's wrong with me? That <laughs> 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 my problem. Possibly. Oh, man, <laughs> nice one, Brendan. Yeah, it's a callback to my own thing. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore. I don't that know was... either. Uh, that was a call back to my Brendan Gleason thing a long time ago. Oh, right, oh. Right. okay, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I give it a five. Fuck it. Yay! Yeah, yeah, fuck it. Let it all hang out. I I had to go into my like onto my shelf of closet, whatever the fuck thing over here, to try and get it out of find the damn thing because I apparently don't own it on Blu-ray. Um, but I have the DVD, and then I remembered I also have it on Voodoo, so I could have just left it on the shelf and just watched it on Voodoo today. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but sometimes it's nice to dust off the old bits. Yeah, and I actually don't own it on Blu-ray because the Blu-ray doesn't have any special features, which is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, for a movie like this, that seems really beloved, even if we're, you know. Well, it does have a cult following. Yeah. And it wasn't on yeah. DVD for a very long time. So, like, the DVD version I have is that the special edition that there was, like, finally came out on fucking DVD. So... I think Lionsgate put it out. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's Monster Squad. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back to close out the show. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and David as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on iTunes, and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter, 
at vdclinicpod, or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. And still, they just might be contagious. Get information or a pamphlet at most pharmacies or a health clinic. If you need help, see a doctor. All right. Thank you so much for joining us for uh, episode 133 of Devour the Podcast, the final episode. Yeah. Thank you for everything. You guys have been fantastic for seven years. You've supported us. And, you know, that says a lot. And I appreciate it deeply. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Same goes for me. I do, and you know what? It was really nice to have you back, David, for this because yeah. it's it's fun. It's fun hearing your voice again in this context. Yeah, not in other contexts, but this one's <laughs> alright. No, in other contexts, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was happy to come back and do this. You know, and I, you know, I'm at this point. I'm just. We've been at this for about four hours, uh, so I'm tired. But I, there's, I have a lot of things I want to say, but. You know, kind of finish off this uh, this chapter of my life, finally. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a final uh, sayonara, a, a final farewell, uh, yeah. a fond adieu, a bon voyage. <laughs> mm, that's it. Yeah, see? Uh, but it's been, I'll, I'll tell you, I have had such a blast like in, in a number of substantial ways devour the podcast changed the arc of my life and and it it has uh it certainly meant the world to me and and everyone that i've been able to interact with from you know not just recording the show and and all that but you know all the all the the fans and listeners of the show and all that stuff so um as david said you know i would only echo a big thank you and you know it'll uh uh to everything there is a season and and you know this will be ending other shit will come along and it'll all be fun and cool and uh you know we'll continue uh this adventure together yeah yep are you crying are you no (laughs) no i did that the last time (laughs) (laughs) yeah a little bit oh Aww. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I I always forget exactly how much I love doing this show until I'm doing it. And then to have all of us together and all the bullshitting that we do and all the bullshitting off mic that no one will ever hear. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's just, it means the world to me. And like, and Vanessa, it has meant so much to have you come on and, uh, you know, this last iteration of the show that was that was a really big thing and i appreciate that so much that you took the time to do what you did and you know you lent another another female voice to the show which i thought was very cool and we got to talk a lot about a lot of fun things like you know gilded cherubs and chokers and (laughs) who else would understand that exactly (laughs) understand that Exactly. And I love you for that. And every time I see anything or every time I watch anything from the 90s, I always think of that. You know, that has been that has been a really, really fun thing. And then every time I get on mic and I start talking to you guys, I'm like, God, damn, this is fun. And then I realized tonight, oh, this is it. Well, that was fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was it was I'm not I'm not sad, though. I'm 
I've enjoyed the hell out of the time that we had together. And, and I would, you know, I would always welcome that in my life, but I don't think it's a sad thing. I think it's, it's, it's a joyous thing. And it's a, it's a wake where I'm doing the dancing. I'm not jumping on the casket. Yeah. No. (laughs) Sorry. You made him cry, Jamie. I hope you're happy. He was crying before I asked him if he was. Yeah, <laughs> Not yeah. that much. Come yeah, on. We the... knew at least one person was going to cry this episode. Oh, yeah. It was just a matter of who Which it was one? going yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah no, but I it's... guarantee you everybody assumed it was going to be me. Like I said, it's a lot to process. As well, long. this was your creation. It was your yeah. baby, so yeah. that's a big deal. And... uh like I said, I'm incredibly proud of uh, the uh, the work that we did, and uh, it was just really funny shows. So, you know, and the community we built was awesome. Yeah, and it's something I'm incredibly proud to have been a part of. So, thank you. Except for some of you, and you know <laughs> who you are. <laughs> ah, there we go. Um, so yes, thank you, Jamie, for you know helping the usher the show into its second era and really help it tend its stride really um when you joined and you know same for Bo, you know you fell into this thing and it was like it just was like oh there we go it just clicked um anyway thanks uh i don't know fuck off <laughs> <laughs> yeah suck it everyone for real though thank you uh say good night jamie good night jamie say good night bo good night bo Say goodnight, Vanessa. Before I do, I wanted to say thank you because I didn't get to say thank you. Oh, fuck. <laughs> God damn it, David. <laughs> that was always perfect, but then it was even I more was perfect. trying to let you... I, I didn't interject. I was trying to let you have your moment. It's okay. No, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody, both, um, both Bo and jamie for bringing me onto the show uh it meant a lot to me after it uh because of what you the three of you had built already that was uh not that i could fill david's shoes <laughs> but um to try to that your mom could yeah that's, that's true but try to i guess occupy some of that space while carving out my own niche and i want to thank the audience as well because yeah it's always change is always different and uh i know uh yeah so yeah thanks and goodbye okay <laughs> no i'll close up the bye everybody Disappear. I love it when you can't hear a sound. Then suddenly.
Devour the Podcast. Bye, everybody.